The Power Trip is a proud member of the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network. You can find more, more phenomenal Kaiju and Tokusatsu content at kaijuramenmedia.com. What's up, everyone? It is JDF the Green Ranger, and you are listening to The Power Trip. It's more time. Lisa! Hello, listeners with attitude. I'm Michael. And I'm Nathan. And we're continuing our journey through the Power Rangers franchise. In today's episode, we're discussing Power Rangers Wild Force. So, Michael, Captain Planet and the Power Rangers. <laughs> you know, I, the while while I was while I was watching this while I was watching this season for review, I had one song playing in my head the whole time. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> in the jungle, the mighty jungle, the lion sleeps tonight. Oh, 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 we- Okay, that's enough. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners, with attitude to subject you to that. But um, I don't know yeah. if the lion zord was sleeping all that much. But well, yeah. okay, he slept sometimes, but yeah, he slept sometimes, and and we'll get into that. And that's one of the. That's actually one of the. It's weird to say that lions sleeping is 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 a positive for me for this season, but um, but this this feels like you know Captain Let Planet sleeping lions lie. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh God, have mercy. It's already started. Um, and <laughs> oh, I wanted to say it. <laughs> the uh, it does feel like Power Rangers meets Captain Planet, but it also feels like and I told you this earlier today before we recorded. It also feels like the Jungle Book. Yeah, uh, and they should have leaned into that Captain a little Planet. bit more. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll get th- we'll, we'll get there. But but Wild Force is a really interesting interesting little season because this is like the this is the um this is that awkward moment where uh saban and disney or disney bought power rangers and so you can because there are there are definitely moments of this show that feel more saban and then there are very very disney moments i know it's for this season it's weird and if you know exactly when the buyout happened, I would love to know. I know when the cutoff point is for when the show aired, but we'll get into that once we get into the discussion proper. Yeah, it's it's a little bit difficult to find. Um, it's a little difficult to find actual like those kind those types of information on Wild Force, unless I'm just not looking in the right spot. Uh, but I know that in that Wild Force was in pre production by Saban before Disney bought it. Uh, they had already started, they had already started uh, working on wild force. And then Disney comes in and says, Hey, we want to buy this and bring it over to, uh, ABC family or ABC kids and use it as one of our, uh, tentpole brands, you know, um, because we got to see a little bit of a resurgence of power Rangers within space on through, uh, lost galaxy, Lightspeed rescue and time force. 
And so Power Rangers had a really bit, had really great name recognition and a really great brand at this point. Uh, so why not when, when, when properties are popular, Disney swoops in to buy them. Of course. Yeah. yeah. And Saban is nothing if not a businessman. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm Saban. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, we can, we can, we can debate all day about like him personally, but as a businessman, I feel like he's done a, he was, he's done a pretty good job so far. All right, Nate, we got to get on with this episode. So let's cue the Epic rock music. Cole, a young jungle man, journeys to the city of Turtle Cove to find his long-lost parents. There, he is recruited by the kindly Princess Shayla to be the leader of the Wild Force Power Rangers. Together, these very different heroes battle the evil orgs, monsters born from pollution, who run rampant as their leader, Master Org, resurrects. As the Guardians of the Earth unite to roar against monster after monster, Cole's quest becomes more intertwined with the orgs. A corrupted ranger seeks redemption, and two villains discover they have hearts. There was a lot to take in with Wild Force. Lot, there was a lot. Yeah, not all of it's good. <laughs> not, I mean, okay, so not all of it is good. No, I agree. Not all of it is good. Like, I, like this... You and I, you, you and I both talked about, and this is, we talked about this. I can't, I think it was our time force episode. No, we, it was our Saban breakdown episode. We talked yes. about this, um, our Saban ranking episode. We talked about how you and I are now in a little bit of uncharted territory, more so you than me, because I've already seen wild force before I, I watched wild force, uh, before the purge, uh, many, many moons ago, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And uh, I, at first viewing, thought it was weird and just and just different. And you could on it, you could you could obviously tell like the Disney influence on it. Um, but after kind of going back to rewatch it a second time for this podcast, almost a year later, I've warmed up to Wild Force. Okay. <laughs> Okay. It, it's not my favorite season, but I've warmed up to it. I and I think I even told you this. Uh I think I would probably enjoy Gal Ranger, the Sentai that this is based around. Yeah. Hyakuju, I, I got it here, was it? Hyakuju Sentai Gal Ranger? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would probably like Gal Ranger more so than Wild Force. Similar to it's it reminds me a lot of um well, they're basically the same series, uh, Gingaman. And because Gingaman's Gingaman specifically, Lost Galaxy, which Gingaman, which was which took Gingaman footage, um, they kind of dabbled in those environmental elements, but Gingaman yeah, means, and there's some similarities to this, uh, to very. You know, Lost Galaxy and Gingaman. There By the is. way, the translation of the Sentai is 100 Beast Squadron Roar Ranger. That makes a whole lot of sense, actually, <laughs> for the amount of Zords we got. Oh, good Lord. Season. We're going to have we're going to talk about this holds the record for the most Zords and Power Rangers. <laughs> 22, but we'll get to that. Yeah, so, we'll get there. Yeah. yeah we'll get but there. Uh, Gal Ranger was the 25th anniversary season of Super Sentai. Mm -hmm. And this is the 10th anniversary season of Power Rangers. Yep. 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 So and from what I've read, because I haven't seen Gal Ranger yet, it's pretty faithful to the source material. 
that's what I understand too. Cause I haven't watched Gal Ranger either. I haven't quite made it there yet. Yeah. Uh, I've but taken, what I've t- I take, a, I took a little break from Sentai to, uh, get caught up on my Ranger seasons. Yes. Um, so yeah, I haven't quite made it to Gal Ranger yet. So I'm, I, I think I'm, I'm almost, I'm almost there. I still need to watch, uh, time Ranger and then Gal Ranger comes yeah. after time Ranger. So yeah, it should be, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because, uh, Gal Ranger, um, uh, feels like a really interesting Sentai. Possibly, but I just, I don't know. I'm just sitting here and I'm thinking, we talked about it a bit uh, during our preamble, but I wonder if Wild Force suffers from the fact that it has to follow up on Time Force. I mean, you and I spent three and a half hours talking about Time Force. Mm -hmm. There's so much to mine out of Time Force. And then you get to this, and I don't know if it was because they... They were a little bit slave to the Sentai, and Gal Ranger is a very different Sentai from Time Ranger. I just, I, I'm just wondering what the heck happened, or did they just decide, hey, we have to do something really different, so let's make something that's more fantasy based and less sci-fi, and we're gonna, we'll have younger heroes and things like that. It's just because this feels very much a response to Time Force in that they're trying to make it different. Which makes the crossover between the Wild Force Rangers and the Time Rangers such an interesting contrast. Yeah, which we'll get to that. But we also were talking in the preambles. like We're not sure exactly when the buyout happened. Now, I can tell you that Wild Force did air on Fox up to episode 26, Mm -hmm. which is an interesting cutoff point because that was a really dark episode that felt like something of a finale because that was when spoiler warning Cole fi- get we get the big revelation about master org and what happened to Cole's parents so yeah which yeah was quite possibly the most saban episode of the entire show <laughs> I don't know like the Zen- the Zenaku stuff Zenaku but- is really Saban too but that's Very the thing bad, yeah. it's that's the thing that bugs me about Wild Force is it feels so inconsistent and you know me inconsistency can drive me nuts you know I said this in the turbo episode just like pick a tone and go with it either embrace the parody of Car Ranger or stick to a semi-serious tone and Turbo couldn't do that it wanted to it wanted to be both and it doesn't gel this isn't quite that bad but uh, because i think in this point it's just it's a it's clashing sensibilities mm-hmm. <laughs> that we're looking at here it's also interesting to note that cuz i looked this up cuz i'm one of those weirdos who pays attention to screenwriting credits right cuz i'm a writer but it's interesting to note that most that the majority of the of the 40 episodes that make up wall force were written by women which yeah, i, do, I which i think I, shows some of the it also shows why this season is different compared to others but especially what came before yeah it it feels like um this season feel, has a has a really good focus on um on like nurture like nurt like elements elements of nurturing and environment and just kind of like in mother nature you know obviously mother, mother nature. nature i think mother that nature. might explain shayla princess shayla to a certain extent and even some of the characterizations of some of these characters which you know we'll get into 
But this is also noteworthy for being the first season with all CGI Zords. Mm-hmm. And it's... <sighs> Which is it's, a little confusing. It's hit or miss. It's hit or miss. Yeah, it's very early CGI. <laughs> what bugs me is the combined Zords, it's still, it still suits. Mm-hmm. And then when they do close-ups, say when the Zords are trying to bite uh, opponents and whatnot, then they have practical ones. They're puppets. I'm like, you have the props. Why aren't you using them all the time, Toei? Mm. Do you really need to get them to do some of the crazier things that, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I have a very love-hate relationship with CGI Zords. I have a very love-hate relationship with it, too, but the thing about wild force it, at least when they do use it it's not super cringy you know what i mean it, it makes sense because there's only well, so- okay it's not mmpr the movie right but here but here's the thing about um and i this is and I, this is where i'll kind of try to defend uh wild force and gal ranger we had practical animals and practical zords uh in uh lost galaxy and there was just something that always looked off about them. Like it just didn't feel natural. These feel natural because, you know, you're allowed to do or you're you're allowed and you're capable of doing more with CGI than, you know, practical effects. I understand that. And practical effects have gotten better. Just look at any modern Ultraman show. You can tell that the yeah. CGI, the CGI has gotten extremely it good. It has, over but Supro is very much about just using CGI when they have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They much prefer to use the practical effects. Mm-hmm. And I think that is wise. Well, I think that um, I think that Wild Force was just kind of going or Gal Ranger Wild Force. Uh, it's mainly I'm, I'm, I probably should say Gal Ranger because it's it's mainly the Gal Ranger stuff. Uh, although there's some di- although there is some CGI that Disney is using as well. Um, it, it does make the animals and these are animals. These are sentient. These are sentient creatures mm-hmm. similar to in uh, uh, Lost Galaxy. They're they are sentient creatures that are rangers have to tame essentially. Yeah. Although they aren't nearly as independent as the Galactabees. No, no, they are very dependent upon our Rangers because they're linked to our Rangers through these, these little orbs, these little stole, these little stones. Um, <laughs> you, you, you mean the rubber bouncy balls you can buy at the store? After oh, you watch now, the show? oh, I know Nathan. Uh, <laughs> but, but there, 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 but there is a, there, the, the CGI does, feel weird at times but again this is early 2000s cgi like yeah it's not gonna look it's early 2000s cgi for a kid show with a modest budget yeah i get it you have to grant it a little bit more leniency than normal but something else that's interesting about this season this is this has the first all-american team up there is no time ranger gow ranger team up in the sentai yep now there's something there is a team up that's closer to what happens in Forever Red, but that was wholly uh, but you know Forever Red was its own thing too. So yeah, we'll get to that. Also, it, this is also noteworthy because this was the first season. It's almost like they planned this. So many changes. <laughs> they uh, this is when they moved from California to New Zealand. 
Mm-hmm. They went they to Lord from- of the Rings land, which mm-hmm. is kind of interesting because I do feel like there's a Lord of the Rings influence in this in some form or another, a even little, if it's subtle. A little, a little. It's 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 it is subtle, but there I feel like there is like a. It may not. It may just not be Lord of the Rings, but it's like very fantasy, a little fairy bit tale. of mid- fairy tale, medieval. There's like a fairy tale, medieval fantasy vibe going on in some of this stuff, in some of Wild Force. Yeah, that I think is that you can correlate with things like Lord of the Rings. Yeah, for sure. Now, let's start with that theme song. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) Okay. So I I wrote down in my notes that if, um, if we're using our, uh, criteria for what makes a good theme song here, this actually makes for a good theme song, because what is it you say, Nate, you say that a theme song has to either describe what's, what's happening or Uh, give you the premise of the show, or at least give you an indication of what the show is. What the, what the, yeah. what the audience can expect. Yeah. What the audience can expect and you know, promise things like, I mean, if it's a superhero show, I want to be promised danger and excitement and, mm-hmm. you know, you know, heroes who are standing against the darkness and all that, uh, all that good mythic stuff, you know? And wild force does that. Yeah. So based on our, it's, cri- still, it's still a little more upbeat than I would normally like, but mm-hmm. I don't know. There's the next season takes that to the nth degree, but oh, oh boy. Yeah, the next season we'll we'll get yeah we'll 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 get to the next season. Ninja Storm does feel more so upbeat and Disney and Disney than what we. I'll say this: at least it's consistent. (laughs) Yes, you you're right. At least it's consistent, but we'll get there. Um. But the Wild Force themes, the Wild Force theme song, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. It's not my favorite theme song. It's really going to be hard to beat something from Ron Wasserman yeah. uh, for me up to this point. And I know that there are I know that there are theme songs coming. Um, just full disclosure, listeners with attitude, we're recording this a little bit about we're recording this a little out of order. Uh, we for just for the sake of scheduling and time, we uh, we had our first we actually recorded with our first guest um, for a mainline episode. Uh, I think a couple, yeah, a couple days ago with uh, Kim Hogue of the Kaiju Kim YouTube of the YouTube. Well, channel. and by the time you listen to this, she won't be Hogue anymore. Oh, that's right. She's getting married. Dag on it. Sorry, Kim. Um, but Kim from Kaiju Kim or Kaiju Kim, however you want to say it, Kaiju Kim from YouTube, uh, where we talk about the queen herself, the queen who, herself, and just, who is who will not uncancel you. I cannot wait for listeners to to hear that episode. Yeah, it was, but uh, it was such a good time with. Kim. Yeah, but I, we should have mentioned this at the beginning of the show. This uh, our schedules got messed up because we were supposed to have our co-host in common, Mr. Travis Alexander, on with us t- uh, today, but things didn't just didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, it just he had some other work. He had some work obligations uh, that he needed to to do, yeah. and so he we just couldn't we just couldn't fit it in the schedule. Yeah. So we're we, but we, we are working hard to get him in onto a future mainline episode. We did have him in a, a lightning round, mm-hmm. but yeah. But uh, back to what I was saying about the theme song. There are theme songs that are going to be coming later that I like more. Yeah, uh, name namely Dino Thunder. Dino Thunder has a fantastic theme song. SPD uh, has a really good one. SPD but that's has a really good one. 
Yeah, but that's but that you're right. That's Wasserman. This theme song, although it is good and it tells me, it kind of gives me a good indication as to what the show is about or what the show is going to be about. But like I was saying, like based on our criteria of a Power Rangers theme song, uh, this does actually serve its purpose, and it is kind of catchy. It like, is kind of catchy. I'm I just, will confess it. It did get stuck in my head. <laughs> often while I was watching. Yeah. It's uh, like, there are some, there are some lyrics in the, in the song that kind of indicate what the audience can expect, or at least, uh, at at least uh, speak to the spirit of the show. Um, uh, Like why, like we'll defend this. We'll defend what's right forever. Power Rangers wild force. We'll protect this world together. Rangers flying higher, you know, all that stuff. Oh, I found the I found the writer for the song. <laughs> uh Jim Cushionary? Cushionary. Cushionary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Jim they Cush- uh they love rhymes in this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, oh, this and, song we is- some, and we get some shades of go-go Power Rangers because it's, you know, Power Rangers flying higher. Go. <laughs> yeah, there's oh, small wild force. There's faster. small sh- yeah, there's small shades of of Mighty Morphin in this. It's not a lot, um, but it's there. So, you know, yeah. the themes the themes the theme song is fine. It yeah, gives you, I, it gives the audience a good indication of what they can expect. That's, yeah, that's I will say this: for. it definitely feels more it, like part of the Power Ranger music family compared to some of the ones that are coming later. Yeah. Uh, I can't wait for all. I can't wait for overdrive. Speaking of wild force, let's talk about our Rangers and, uh, okay, let's get this over with now. All right, let's get the, let's get, let's get this out of the way because unfortunately, (sighs) unfortunately wild force, specifically, uh, Cole Evans played by Ricardo Medina, Medina um, jr. Medina jr. Who does come back in. What was that? I think he comes uh, back in samurai. Samurai, yeah, he as comes a, back as, as a, a different samurai. character. He comes back as a samurai, I think. Yeah. I think. Anyway, uh, a and lot. Good of, lord, he grew up. When you see him at samurai, like where'd that come from? <laughs> yeah, like in in uh, in Wild Forest when we first meet Cole, uh, he's wearing a wig. That is not a wig in Samurai. <laughs> yeah, uh, no. Although Cole also seems to think he's Rambo, because he rips <laughs> off one of his sleeves, and makes a headband, and then with that wig. And just just his facial structure is like, wow, you really could have played young Stallone in uh, in a Stallone biopic, right? Or you, they could have made a Rambo prequel movie, and you could have you could have been Rambo. I mean, he's buff enough. He could have done all those things except for you know an incident he was involved in, and that's I one am. of the thi- and that's one of the things that unfortunately. One of the things that Wild Force is known for is the incident with real life uh, Cole actor Ricardo Medina Jr. Um, so uh, this has been this has been talked about a lot, but essentially an incident occurred. I believe it was in 2017, somewhere around there. We looked into it. Basically, yeah. what we've been able to determine by looking at it, because obviously we weren't following the case. Mm-hmm. When it was happening, mm-hmm. 
It sounds, from what we can determine, it sounds like it was basically self-defense that went too far. Went way too far, yeah. Yeah, Medina was in his house with his, I can't remember if it was his wife and his girlfriend, or his girlfriend Mm -hmm. at the time, but they were sleeping in the bedroom, someone broke into the house, and then Medina, in what honestly would normally seem like just a BA move to do, found a sword... (laughs) He defended his house with a sword and went after the burglar who had broken in and killed the guy. Mm. And he ended up being convicted of voluntary manslaughter, not murder. It was voluntary manslaughter and served six years in jail. Mm. So he, he, did and he his got death. out, I think, just like a year or two ago. Uh, he got out, I believe, in 2020. I think is yeah. when he got out of is, is when he got out of prison. But unfortunately, uh, and then he went straight to quarantine, so he got an extra year in jail. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all got an extra year in jail that year. <laughs> um, but but you know that is we wanted to we wanted to address that because that is part of the that is part of the lineage of this show. Yeah, it and it's and it makes it hard for some people to watch it now. You can still watch and enjoy Wild Force. Uh, at least I can, I know. And I, and I totally understand why people, I under, I totally understand when people can't and I, and I respect that and I get it. But for me personally, I can kind of make that separation between the character of Cole and the real life actor of, of yeah. Mr. Medina. Yeah. Um, so I think you have to, in you, you in have most to, cases. yeah, you, 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 you have to, but Ultimately, you know, Mr. Medina, he, he paid his debt to society, went to jail for a very terrible thing that he did. And now I, I don't know. He'll, he probably won't have an acting career. So we've touched on Ricardo, the actor. So let's touch. So let's actually just talk about Cole, the character. Cole a bit more. Yeah. The, he's basically Mowgli, but they <laughs> yeah. don't lean into it as much as I think they should. It's oh, I interesting think- how in the first episode they established that he lives with some tribe out in the wilderness mm-hmm. and then comes to civilization. That's a mm-hmm. great setup, but then they don't really lean into that beyond the first, what, two or three episodes. And I'm like, that's a, that's a great thing. He should be really clueless about how you know, uh, modern American society works. Cause he's been living out in the jungle with, mm-hmm. you know, with a, you know, with a bunch of tribesmen, he should know how the, he should know how things work, but they don't lean into it. And I wish they did, you know, he because he does some weird kind of jungle boyish things. But then it becomes, like I said, a- after the Rangers basically <laughs> basically gang up on him and clean him up, <laughs> he doesn't do it anymore. You know what? It kind of in a weird way, it kind of feels like um, it kind of and, it, and it's real. This is really appropriate considering it's Disney. Uh, or really ironic, I guess, considering it's considering Disney took over the franchise. But there was a 1997 movie called Jungle to Jungle. Oh, star- Tim Allen, <laughs> starring Tim Allen. Yeah, and in that movie, he raises a boy that was raised in the Amazon. I think it was in the Amazon. I haven't seen this. Yeah, movie it was too. supposed to be a, a son he didn't know he had. That's right. That's right. It was supposed to be a son he didn't know he had. So he brings the son to civilization. Uh, and so, you know, shenanigan, you know, shenanigans ensue, you know, uh, so that's kind of what this felt like, at least in this first episode, first couple of episodes. Yeah. But then it 
they don't really do it. And then, you know, Cole is Cole's a little bit weird. He's trying to find himself in his destiny, but he also wants to find his parents. And so there's all there's a bunch of things going on with Cole. And then he's weird because he could sort of talk to animals. Kind of. That's odd, too. It's about as nebulous as Maya's communing with the universe thing. (laughs) <laughs> from lost galaxy it's it's similar yeah it's similar and he's for the first couple of episodes he's like i'm a pacifist orgs have hearts just like animals and then he and then in one of the and then in a line in episode two that almost got the award for me <laughs> he says you don't have a heart and then the barbed wire orc says and you don't have a brain <laughs> <laughs> did you forget i was the bad guy anyway right right but that's so, a, but that's a, so that's a major... I get it, he's supposed to be naive mm-hmm. but yeah. at that point it just felt weird i was very much with taylor at that point just like kid figure it out <laughs> Yeah, essentially just But then the show kind of contradicts it because then some of the orgs actually do have hearts. It's just it's so weird, but we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get we'll get there. But yeah, yeah, essentially just it's like Taylor said, I don't know. Cole says, I don't know what to do here, but uh uh but And he's supposed to be the leader, and Taylor doesn't appreciate that. And we'll talk about Taylor next, actually. But Taylor was basically the team leader, and then suddenly Princess Shayla is like, Hey, I just recruited a fifth ranger, and because he's red, he has to be in charge. And I, if I was terrible, be like, you so know, what? I'm better qualified for this job, right? <laughs> yeah, but given, but I will say this: given the fact that um, the whole shtick of this season is like being in tune with nature and being har- being in harmony with nature, it makes more sense to have Cole be the leader because it he does, is, the, he, but he is the most in tune and in he is the most in tune with like with the world around nature. Yeah. Now, something that should be noted is this is one of my gripes with Wild Forest is I don't feel like the characters have all that much development in this. No. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's not like the characters in Mighty Morphin necessarily developed either, but I think the advantage that the Mighty Morphin characters have is that they had much better written a person out much more, much better written and much more defined personalities. They had more defined overall. Anyway, there's a couple of these characters that have very defined personalities, but they had more defined archetypes. Yeah. More defined archetypes. And they worked better within that show. And they also worked better within the themes that they were getting. That's the biggest problem is that these characters feel really divorced from a little the themes that the show is trying to get at, but you know, we'll get into it. Yeah. Yeah. So Taylor, uh, Taylor Earhart, because you have to Dave, your pilot girl after the most famous pilot girl in of history. Course. Of course, of course, <laughs> of course, <laughs> played by Allison Kipperman, which is only um, mildly confusing because there's a, there's a ranger named Alyssa. So we have an Alyssa and an Allison kind of, I wasn't sure what to make of Taylor when we were first introduced to her. I think it's actually interesting. This is the first 
ranger, honestly, that I can think of that is in a re who's real military. Mm -hmm. We talked about how Lightspeed Rescue should have had more characters who were real military. Mm -hmm. You know, because the, the Pink Ranger in that one doesn't really count because she's in a fictional military. All right. You know, the you know, whatever organization is running Lightspeed Rescue. Mm -hmm. But she's real military. She yeah, she's is real. an she's Air, Air Force, Force pilot. Yeah, she's an Air Force pilot. And she's hard nosed, as I would expect for a military woman mm -hmm. and she was the first ranger recruited by princess shayla mm -hmm. and she was basically the team leader for a mm -hmm. while so so she's more experienced than the rest of them she's a little bit older than the rest of them all of that together makes it makes total sense that she would be the most hard-nosed on the other hand she has some of the most development out of all of these characters and honestly is probably the most dynamic out of all of these characters. I I'm wondering say. if they were going for a, a Jen Scott type character. She with does remind me of Jen to a certain mm. extent. Mm. And she's if the it, yellow Ranger, by the way, and she does definitely fits into the yellow Ranger archetype that we've talked about before, especially in the Saban era. She fits that yellow Ranger archetype pretty yes. well but there's yeah. also but there's also kind of a side to her where she does show a, where she does show some growth and a little bit of empathy yeah and she and also that, had one of the best focus episodes when because oh good lord the first probably like once you get past the first couple episodes everything after that up until zenaku and we'll get to zenaku oh boy we're gonna park at zenaku for a while <laughs> uh, is just them finding more of the toys i mean zords Oh. for the season <laughs> there's a really there's a really cheeky this is jumping ahead but there's a really cheeky little line from eric from time force uh when he's handing her the what is that thing called the the, the, the quantum defender the he quantum... says it's not a toy and i'm like i bet it is actually <laughs> <laughs> so because it, it, actually i found that the episode where she got the two bears the two bear zords. I that actually was a found, really good. I really like that. And yes. you know, it, it just, cause it was, it, it had a lot of very interesting style that challenged her. Cause that's a problem. That's the other problem is the, these characters don't, I don't feel like these characters for the most part, I don't feel like they get challenged enough, you know, in order to grow. Mm. Cole gets a lot of challenges because of all the stuff that happens with his parrots. And we'll get to that when we talk about master org, but generally, they don't now it, she does and i love the thing with the two boys and she's chasing after him turns out the two boys they're twins turns out they are the bear zords and i'm like oh that makes sense because ursa major and ursa minor the constellations they're two bears we would know them more commonly as the big dipper and the little dipper ah oh. so that made me happy but generally speaking everybody Everybody else just finds the things and doesn't do anything to earn them. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't feel. Yeah, it doesn't. They're just <clears throat> given them. It's just like, hey, you need this here. Yeah, there's a lot of things. Yeah, there's a lot of things in Wild Force, and we'll and we'll get there. There's a lot of things in Wild Force that don't quite feel earned. Um, yeah, but she earned it, and I, I think she's a good foil for Cole. Uh, she's actually kind of a good foil for all the rest of the team because she is so hard-nosed and experienced compared to the rest of them 
Yeah, let's get to our Blue Ranger, our Blue Shark Max Ranger. Cooper. Max Cooper. Oh, yeah, we should mention that all of these Rangers, they all have the same style for their civilian clothes. They still color coordinated, but now they have, I will admit those jackets are snazzy, and I kind of want one. I can show you where to get one. Cool. Anyway, so uh, they uh, they all have funny nicknames, and those are all emblazoned on the backs of their jackets. And apparently, they're gifts from Shayla. And the, the, the mythology of Wild Force is a little weird, but yeah, you know, but they uh, that's what they wear for their civilian outfits. Mm. And yeah, so they all have funny nicknames. So yeah, he's the what was it, Surging Shark? Because Cole is Blazing Lion. Uh, Taylor is soaring Eagle and Max is yeah. Surging shark. And he's played by Philip Jean Marie. Jean Marie. Jean Marie. Uh, <laughs> so he's the youngest one. He's a high schooler. So this, yes. he's a kind of a throwback to the roots of power Rangers. This is not a complete return to form, but it comes perilously close to a back to basics, but they're not all teenage heroes. They're not. Max and they're, is the teenage hero. They're actually kind of pull. What's what's interesting about Wild Force is they're there's they're pulling from not a not a not they're not they're not pulling these kids or these some some of the young adults. They're not pulling the our rangers from the same pool uh, or the same demographic or the same pool of people. They're actually pulling them in from different you know different age groups, different, um, life, not lifestyles, not lifestyles, not the word I'm looking for. Um, um, life experiences, life experience. There we go. Life experiences. Uh, so our blue ranger, max, he's a high schooler. You know, he, he reminds me of a little bit. He reminds me of Zach, uh, uh in a way because Zach, although did not have like the massive chip on his shoulder that, that max does, but but the, the were they were they uh, were they similar? Max, both Max and Zach would overcompensate their insecurity for being cocky and arrogant. A bit, but they also uh, Max. Well, no, Danny's more the heart of the team, but Max definitely has the youthful exuberance that Zach had as well. Mm. You know, he was. They're the life of the party for their respective teams. Right. Yeah. You know, but there's not a whole lot that happens with him. He works best when paired with Danny because they're best friends. Because, yeah, they play they bring, and they bring stuff out of each other. But if you look at them individually, they're not quite as interesting. Although, but they don't do a whole lot with Max other than have him play off of Danny and be the Blue Ranger. I mean, one of his focus episodes is we find out he's a an incredibly good bowler. Which is random. And then we have literal bowling for Zords. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not Chuck Zord punching things through time. Although no, we, it we is literal a, bowling. <laughs> we, we got a cameo by Chuck in, in this season. I'm happy about that. It, it, yes. Yes. More Chuck Zord. <laughs> more Chuck, but you know, bowling, more Chuck sword, the, uh, the armadillo <laughs> bowling ball yeah. or no, it wasn't, it wasn't it was. the armadillo ball. No, it wasn't the, no, the, the armadillo. No, that was, was the soccer the ball. ball. That was the soccer ball. No, because no, no, no. these swords are nutty. 
Yeah, <laughs> that the armadillo was the soccer ball. Never mind. Never mind. Uh, I'm but they I'm did, getting... but they had a bowling ball org, and he has to learn a new bowling move to defeat the monster of the week, and it's just. What <laughs> it felt that was probably the most mighty, like old school Mighty Morphin episode out of this Wait, whole because thing. it was just inc- it was just so quirky and just kind of odd, but it, yeah. it worked. It yeah. worked. It was it was inter- it was entertaining. We'll say yeah, that. yeah. But you know, so that's his thing. It's just like I'm tired of everyone picking on me for being the youngest. Take me seriously, and you know they lean into that in a few episodes, but probably not as much as they should. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things of like, you have good setups for these characters, but you needed to lean into the more, you know, and only a couple of them do they really lean into. And, you know, Taylor's the best example of how they leaned into it. I was very yeah. satisfied with how Taylor was used throughout this. Yeah. Out of too. this, out of this initial five. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Uh, so that was Max. Let's move in on. Let's move. This is a uh, Max is a good segue to talk about his best friend. And we've already touched on it. Our Danny black- Delgado, played by Jack Guzman. He's our black, what is he? The black ox. The black ox. Yeah. yeah no, and he's the, what was his nickname? Charging ox? Bi- uh, bison. Bison. He's the oh, bison. bison. He's not, okay. He's a bison, not an ox. I'm sorry. Yeah, not, I'm getting, I'm getting it confused. I almost called him the black bull, but that's. Uh, yeah, well, that's because his Zord looks a lot like the black bull. <laughs> yeah. It, it, Can well, you imagine it, Danny trying to be the Magda defender? <laughs> oh my God. It reminds me a little bit <laughs> instead of, of uh, instead of going all dirty, Harry murdering ever and murdering his enemies. <laughs> he's just going to be like, oh, oh, do, do you need a hug? And then when they punch him in the face, he's like, I'm going to wrap you right now. <laughs> Danny. And that that's a good segue to say that Danny is our gentle giant. Yes. He is a weird combination of imposing and compassionate. Uh-huh. Yeah. It is so odd, which I, I, it's a, it's not that it's an uncommon archetype. We've seen it. We've even seen some real life examples to, to, you know, to borrow from, Princess Bride slash professional wrestling. Andre the Giant was actually known for being a very gentle man, despite the fact that he's massive. <laughs> but Danny is our, he's our Black Ranger. He's our he's gentle, the heart of the team. He's the heart and soul of the team. It's really interesting. It's really interesting to, to have, um, to have a male character again, be the heart and soul of the team. It, it is really, interesting. It is very interesting. And it he's a uh, he's a romantic. Let's be very honest. Much. He's a romantic at heart. He has a girl that he likes and mm-hmm. never quite gets together with her. I I was rooting for him though. I was just yeah, like, we were. On, I dude, think we, dude, come on. I think we all were to some <laughs> In degree. In a funny, I think we all were. wasn't that the weird episode with the light with the wedding dress orc? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yes. but it was a girl. It's a girl who works at a flower shop too, which seems weirdly appropriate for him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and but he he chooses ranger duty over that, and that seems like a trend. Like we have we have some we have a little bit of a trend here um, with some of our rangers, not all of them, but some of them where they really have the desire to do things outside of being a ranger, but they still choose to be a ranger. Yeah. They choose, they choose duty and service over, you know, their, um, personal life, their personal life. Yeah. Yeah. Now him and him and Max have a little catchphrase that they use together. And I'm just like, you know what? As catchphrases go, I just, I don't want, I know this is going to sound mean, but I'm just like, this is so basic and kind of cliche. 
but it's just never give up. I'm like, they try so hard to give that meaning, but it just, I don't know. It just didn't resonate with me because I'm just like, that's the best you could come up with. Yeah, but as far as brand, I'm going to, I'm going to be devil's advocate. Well, I'm going to say that I actually didn't mind it because as far like, if you take this in context of it being a kid's show, that is a pretty, that's a, that's a solid message that kids can can, can grasp onto. It's, never a give so, up. it's a solid message, but as catchphrases go, eh. it's not the, yeah, it's not like, it's not the most catchy or the most pithy or the, or the most clever catchphrase that we've well, heard. Admittedly, the these rangers have catchphrases as rangers and they're they're i've heard better <laughs> or some of them just sound weird do you think now we can probably get to this in theme we'll get to this more in thematics but i want to kind of plant the seed here um do you think that wild force holds the hand of its audience a little bit too much oh at least, yes at least more so in more so than past seasons uh, yes okay there's dialogue in this show where I'm like, okay, even by Power Rangers standards, this is a little on the nose. He's a good kid. Yep. He's the heart and soul. I like yep. Danny. Yep. But the uh, the last episode ends with some narration from Alyssa, and she's talking to a bunch of kids. And so it's like, you know what? If you had used that throughout the whole show, that would have been interesting because then we could say these are all bunch of stories that she's telling to these kids yeah but we're kind of jumping to the end of her story so let's get to the the start of her story mm -hmm. so she's a white ranger mm -hmm. she's but she basically serves the purpose of a pink ranger basic she is the she's the white ranger but she's the archetype of a pink ranger she's well, the archetype least... of a pink ranger she's much she's much girlier by comparison much more feminine compared mm -hmm. to Taylor and mm -hmm. she's a foil to Taylor to a certain extent, but she, yeah, she's compassionate. She's, she's incredibly kind. And honestly, I think the Disney brave went so far as to say she's very much a role model because she's incredibly disciplined. <laughs> she's, she's incredibly, she's incredibly disciplined. Uh, she's very studious. Uh, yeah. she's, she's the, she's getting straight A's and is a ranger. Uh, she's the poster she basically child. Treat, yeah, she basically treats being a ranger like an internship. She uh, she's the poster child for that old cliche. Don't be a fool. Stay in school, kids. You know, <laughs> uh. <laughs> she's the probably the smartest member of the team. She's very yeah, bookish it's, and, it, and it's, she's very bookish and she's very like tech savvy. Uh, tech savvy. And oh, my goodness, she goes to the library. <laughs> That's uh, that's a girl I can like right there. <laughs> so her hangout is the library. Sign me up. Anyway, and she's and she's a college student. Where we yeah. and like like I said before, they're pulling these rangers from a lot of walks of life, and she's a college student. So she has a little bit of a different lived experience than say uh, than say Max or and and definitely Cole and definitely Taylor. Uh, so, so yeah, I think, uh, Danny, I don't, we didn't touch on this, but Danny's a college student as well, I believe. Yeah. Or he's just, yeah. or he's a young, or at least he's that he's around that age. He's around that age. Yeah. It's really never, yeah. it's really never explained, but it's, it's implied. He's also a college student. Um, mm -hmm. so it's really yeah. just never touched on, yeah. but, but yeah. Alyssa, I like Alyssa as far as yeah. pink Rangers, as far as pink Rangers go. I like Alyssa. She's, mm -hmm. 
um, she, her care, her, she's, she, she fits the role in the archetype of a, what we, what the established archetype of a pink ranger. Well, I, I let me just say this at uh, the, um, the conventional established archetype of a pink ranger, yeah. because we talked about Jen Scott. Jen from, is, uh, is she, is she's she, the outlier. Uh, she bends the mold a little bit. <laughs> she, Jen Scott is the outlier. Jen Scott from time force is the outlier. Um, but Alyssa kind of falls in line with what we have known up to this point of what a pink ranger should be. Uh, but she's, mm-hmm. but she's, but she's the white ranger. Yeah. And I think we can all, the show actually does show us why she is as disciplined as she is. Cause she, I mean, she's a, that's the funny thing. Both of the girls are in this season are incredibly disciplined mm-hmm. <laughs> compared to the boys. It's kind of funny how that works. Yeah, the boys just they just thrive on chaos. And <laughs> <laughs> a little too much of that boyish energy, you know. <laughs> a little a little bit, a little bit. But uh but but Alyssa, we find out, it didn't just happen in a vacuum. Her father was a, a brilliant martial artist and taught mm. her from a very early age, and he was hard. He was very hard. Harder. We, we she has a good focus episode where they show us that. Much like Mr. Collins in Time Force, her father had plans for her, mm-hmm. and she didn't stick to those plans. She broke away. Yeah, she went and did her own thing. She uh, she wanted to go to college. Dad said, "No, you're going to stay here and run the dojo with me." He's like, "I want to go to college," and she went to college. It feels like we're experiencing a trend now of overbearing parents and not rebellious, but independent teenagers or independent young mm-hmm. adults. I'm also noticing that there is a very strong fatherly presence in Power Rangers, and you don't mm-hmm. see as much of a motherly presence, which is kind of interesting. Which makes Wild Force a really interesting season because we touched on it already that a lot of the episodes were written by women. And so you can kind of tell that there's a little bit of a more feminine or motherly there's, there's, or n- there's a nurturing influence. There throughout is. This. There's also a little bit more emphasis on relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's definitely a, a, an emphasis on relationships and nurturing throughout wild force uh, to, to different degrees, of course, throughout this season, which is a very like kind of a motherly, this is a very motherly thing. Mm-hmm. And that stands in a little bit of a contrast to some of these like very hard nose, like male, like, mm, like fatherly, like very stern fatherly influences that we're seeing with some of our characters for sure. At least some of our characters, parents rather. Yeah, for sure. Shall we move on to our sixth ranger? Let's get the sixth ranger out of the way. So do we want to talk about him by himself or do we want to talk about him in conjunction with probably our favorite character from this season? I tell you what, let's let's do this. We'll we'll touch on Merrick. We'll touch on Merrick a little bit, but we'll really dive into the relation. We'll really dive into Merrick more when we talk about his when we talk about Zenaku. Zenaku, all right. So the lunar wolf. So he doesn't have a color. He's the lunar wolf ranger. I don't know if he has an official color or not. I don't think so. He's kind of a silver or a gray, but it's like a silvery blue color, I yeah. guess, to em- I guess to emulate yeah. the kind of the, the shine of the moon. Yeah. And you know, he's supposed to have six stripes. We get it. Well, all of these Rangers have different 
stripe patterns or different stripe. That was a lightning collection joke. But anyway, (laughs) I know it was, I know it was a lightning collection joke. I get the joke. People who collect will get the joke, but I'm just going to point out here that all of these Rangers have different numbered stripes. Like uh, Alyssa is, Alyssa has one. Danny has two. Uh, I believe yellow is three. Blue is four. Cole is five. And then lunar and then uh, Merrick is six. Yeah. Yeah. Merrick Ballatin played by Philip Andrew. As six Rangers go, he's all right. Mm-hmm. He's all right. I don't know what exactly to say about him. I wish he was a little bit more old timey. I feel like the show wants him to be like an Aragorn, like a burden to Aragorn. You know, mm-hmm. this old timey character, but he, because he's supposed to be from 3,000 years ago. But he never struck me as old timey enough. And it certainly doesn't help that his gimmick and motif is pool. Which makes kind no of, sense because kind pool of, wasn't invented until about 400 or 500 years ago. You know, it kind of reminds me of, uh, it kind of, Merrick kind of reminds me of Tanya in a way from, uh, season three and Zio, uh, where Tanya was kind of plucked from the past, from a time and place that she, she was plucked from a time and place and, and put into the modern era. And there should have been more of, uh, an issue to adapt where her, both her and Merrick don't seem to have that issue to adapt. Oh, and I forgot to mention Alyssa is the noble tiger and he's the howling wolf, which that seems a little ironic because he's a very quiet dude. Very quiet. He's He's very very quiet. He's very Zen. Very Zen. Uh Uh-huh. 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 But uh, I don't know about that. He's a loner. He's very guilt-ridden. Mm-hmm. I will say this. When you when we look at when you look at the Zenaku story, it does address some of the things that we talked about with Green with Evil. The you know, the Rangers do try to say, Hey, we forgive you, you can join us, but he's like, No, I can't, because I did terrible things to all of you. So they're being accepting, but he's like no, I can't because I'm awful. (laughs) Yeah. It takes the, um, it's so weird because we just watched, we just watched and reviewed Dino Thunder. So I know this is jumping ahead, but we, we talked about in mighty Morphin where it felt where I had a problem with the Rangers accepting Tommy. So like, um, like literally immediately, like so quickly after all the terrible things that he's done in Dino Thunder, that's corrected a little bit uh with the white ranger with trent and dino thunder and it's kind of like they're not as accepting of trent because they're a little bit more leery of trent well i think and, they had more reason to in that one because that right, was but, that, he was that was a jekyll and hyde situation this right, but what is it what i'm white jekyll and hyde right but what i'm getting at is now we have now we have the ranger in merrick the lunar wolf saying no, I don't deserve to be in on your team because of the terrible things I've done. And you have the team saying, no, man, we need you. And then we have, you know, which kind of plays into like the lone wolf, the, the lone wolf shtick. He, uh, he's also a musician. He likes to play a flute, which again, there's a very fantasy, very, you know, a sensitive soul sort of thing to do. And Merrick's fine. <laughs> Yeah, he's fine. fine. I think he could have been better than he is. Yeah. But yeah, he's fine. He's got some crazy finishing moves because again, pool. Yeah, he's fine. That's uh so that's Merrick. 
Um, now we get to the supporting cast, and uh, I'm very mixed about the supporting cast this season. We only have a couple of them here, but yeah. So, well, the most prominent one, obviously, is Princess Shayla, who's basically our Zordon. Essentially, yeah. She's essentially the our Zordon. She lives on the Animarium, or as I mm-hmm. like to call it, Flying Gamera Island. The Turtle Island, Turtleville, Turtle Tarpon. Oh, Turtle Cove. That's Turtle the name Cove. of the city they hang out. I call it Gamera Town. Yeah, yeah. because. Why wouldn't I? And you're not, <laughs> and, and if you're not invested in the kaiju genre, you have no idea what we're talking about. Uh, uh, you poor, deprived children, you. <laughs> <laughs> One of them has henshin heroes because the Gamma movies are weird. <laughs> but anyway, Princess Shayla, people like Anne Marie Crouch. Is that how you say it? Crouch? Uh, yes. I guess. It was originally supposed to be an actress named Natasha Alice. But they recast. Don't know why. No one knows why. Anyway, she's basically our Zordon. Again, going back to the fact that most of these episodes were written by women, so it, I guess it would natural. It would be natural that we would have a female Zordon, and she, her approach is very different from Zordon. Zordon was pretty firm, very fatherly to them, and Shayla naturally because Not she's so the much. pretty, pretty princess. She's like every princess cliche ever wrapped into one and you know she's much more feminine she's much more nurturing much more motherly you know she has the (laughs) the org detection pool that gushes (laughs) every time there's a monster (laughs) there's so many dirty jokes (laughs) we're we're not going there so many dirty jokes and every like when i was watching this for like the first five episodes whenever the thing would go off i'd be like ah it's a little bit of a shock i'm like oh my gosh why anyway (laughs) and then it's hilariously in the finale it because Master Org was just so powerful, it basically explodes like Old Faithful. It's <laughs> oh, stop it, Marchand. Anyway, so what did you think of her? As far as mentors go, she reminded me a little bit of uh, Demetria in a way. Not Except just because not she, nearly as obtuse. Not yeah, not nearly as obtuse. She's uh, she's very sugary sweet. She's what you can. She was what you, sugar and she, spice and everything nice, right? right? She yeah, she's princess. She's princess Rapunzel. Um, Except uh, without the not, hair, or maybe Princess Snow White. Maybe Snow White's probably the better uh, analogy. She's just all this. She's just all the. She's. All the Disney she, princess stereotypes. She's very in tune with nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, she's trying to you know, to stop the orcs. So she has to recruit Power Rangers to do it. The implication seems to be that she had guardians that were akin to Rangers mm-hmm. back in the day, 3,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. But maybe. So it, I guess it kind of makes sense. I'm still... <sighs> I'm still a little confused by how modern a lot of the things she does seem to be. I wish it had been more old timey. Okay. The jackets. That's very modern. And the morphers, the morphers are cell phones, which I know is in gal ranger, but it's weird here. I mean, it's, it's not the weirdest morphing sequence, but it's pretty weird. 
We didn't talk about the costumes, did we? <laughs> uh, we touched on them just a little bit, but yeah, they're okay. You know, they're okay. Yeah, they're good. They fit. Uh, they're a lot. I like these a lot better than the Lost Galaxy suits. The Charlie Brown. Yeah, um, the helmets are nice. I will say the helmets are really nice. Yeah, I think the helmets look a little better than the Lost Galaxy ones. The Lost Galaxy ones just look weird to me. Almost too big. Yeah, but a little bit. But these, these, look, th- these are all right. These 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 work. Yeah. So. Anyway, yeah, so Princess Shayla, so yeah, she doesn't do a whole lot. She spends a lot of time on the Animarium and just kind of talks into her funny necklace and <laughs> tells the Rangers what to do. She's very Zordon in that her, way. Her funny bat necklace. Yeah, the bat necklace, yes. Although, we do get a nice little surprise later on in the season because as you always want to do to establish the villain's threats, remember, we've talked about this. We've talked about this. This is a Power Ranger tradition. I don't know if they figure this out or they just do it naturally, but you have the villains invade the base of operations. So Toxica, one of our org villains, shows up and we find out that Shayla can fight. Mm -hmm. So as much as she embraces all of those princess cliches, she decides to subvert us, uh, subvert expectations a little bit by actually being able to fight. And I'm just like, then you just like sitting around and watching a bunch of people fight for you. <laughs> Somebody trained you so you can actually defend yourself. I don't, yeah. other than just telling the Rangers what to do, I've, I don't feel like she's as integral to the plot as she probably should be. Mm-hmm. I've seen worse. We're going to get worse. Look at it, you Megaforce. Yeah, I don't have anywhere to go from here on Princess <laughs> Shayla. So, um, yeah, well, know. we'll move on to. Oh, good lord. Do we, have to? <sighs> do, we do we have to? Like, do we, we, do have, we have to? Okay. Do, okay. That's fine. I don't want to park here for very long. This is probably. This is probably the lowest point of Wild Force. Is this freaking Kenny? Oh, uh, Kite and and Animus. Played by Ryan Goldstein and voiced by Charles Gideon Davis. Okay. I want to preface this by saying, just like I said about, what was the, uh, Blake Foster. Like about Blake Foster, Please don't pick on this child. Please don't. It's not his fault. But good grief. Somebody decided to figure out a way to put in a child character in Power Rangers that I actually like less than Justin. That is an accomplishment. Because this kid, Kite, with this, I don't even understand it. Animus, Animus was fine when he was this, you know, apparently this nature god who looked like Zords, and it yeah, was this it's thing like that this they always thing. just talked about, but you never really saw him except in flashes. It's yeah, kind like of mysterious, sen- kind of this sentient Megazord similar to uh, Dijuzin. Dijuzin, yeah, yeah. Wait, so that was fine. That was fine. And then somebody decided. Even though he was supposed to be, you know, lost because he he fought Master Org in this mythic battle mm-hmm. three thousand years ago and died, supposedly defeating Master Org. 
Okay, that's that's good mythology to build off of. And then we see yeah. flashes of him. And that's kind of cool. And then someone decided that the best idea to do with Animus was to make him a child. Now, on paper, I'm not opposed to this. That can be an interesting story. I want to say that right up front. That can be an interesting story where you basically have a god who reincarnates as a child and doesn't fully understand who he is. I We've get seen it. that story before, not in power. We've seen this story before in other things outside of power. Rangers. Yeah, that is so on paper that has potential. But this whole story that they do makes no freaking sense as it goes on. Well, what what doesn't make sense is is so what what doesn't quite make sense is how easily um, he can be corrupted by the orcs. Well, see, and that's what doesn't make sense. So he's supposed to be basically like this, you know, this earth God and mm -hmm. is very concerned about the environment. The mm -hmm. orgs is, it is established not as well as it should be, but it is established that they are born out of pollution and environmental degradation. Mm -hmm. So he's fighting against that die doing so. Right. And yet as this child, we, it seems because he sees how the world is more polluted, he assumes the Rangers are not doing their job, mm -hmm. takes away their resources, mm -hmm. you know, the Zords, basically, and then sides with the Orgs, even though the Orgs were what he fought against and are born from the thing that he doesn't like, but the, because the Orgs say, look how terrible the humans are, he just goes with them. Total and then dick. his excuse at the end of, and we do have that one weird episode where we see a child in what looks like a, like, uh, you know, like, uh, like a weird kind of divine dimension. So there was some mystery there. Again, that was some decent setup. It could have worked, right. but so then we get to this and then when we get to the end of it, he just says, that was a test. I had to make sure that you had the resolve to keep defending the earth. Like, shut up. That was a plot convenience. Yeah, shut up. You're making up excuses. Yet you, you figured out that you done screwed up, even though yeah. you're the mighty, mighty nature god. And, and, and you're like, I, that was all a test. No, that is bull crap. That makes no sense. Just admit that you screwed up. Tell the rangers you're sorry and move on. But no, yeah. we can't do that. We can't do that. So you... Because neither, because that does not make sense. What we saw transpire does not fit with the, this was all just an elaborate plot to, for me to test you. It's like, no, no, this reeks of retcon to me. <laughs> it, it reeks of retcon. I know I'm getting to like turbo levels of ranty here, but let's, let's dial it back. <sighs> Nathan. Let's dial well, it back. I, this, I, 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 I think I'm safe with this one because nobody likes this kid. <laughs> Even people who like Wild Force don't like this kid. So, it's, you know, it's there, there. There was so much potential with Animus and Kite that it was just it, it was another case of and we've I feel like we've I feel like we've said this. And the lot. kid's performance is not great. The kid's but, performance is not great, but there's a there was a lot of missed potential there. Yeah, uh, that's what's frustrating because I'm like, I see how this could have worked. Mm, you know, it's the same thing with you know, with Turbo. It bothers me because I'm like. This could have worked. There's, yeah, there, I want there's, this to be better. There, there's shades of some. There's shades of something that could be great there, but it didn't quite live up to the potential. Yeah, and it just because it just doesn't make sense. I was just like, it's like, 
if there was something like if you had seen the Rangers abusing their power or if he was concerned about the damage that they are causing with all of their battles against the orgs, I mean, there was a way to make it work other than it just being this arbitrary, just, yeah, I, I you think know, there even, are too many Coke cans in the ocean. <laughs> I think, I, I think the Disney brain did a good job of pointing this out where, you know, they could have had Kite and Animus come back and really like have a reason to do to be to be a dick to the rangers and take away their zords because it's because of the zords and because of their weapons that's causing so much destruction yeah and they could have like they could have leaned into that but they didn't yeah and instead instead they just took this really convoluted just straightforward you're pollute. You're hurting the environment. Approach. Even, he's holding a grudge against the Rangers when really it's against mankind. Right. So like, so you're going to handicap the people who are trying to make a difference because you're pissed at mankind. Pretty much. Yeah. You totally make sense. Animus. Why did we like you? <laughs> Something must have happened to you after Master R killed you once because like, and, and yeah, yeah, you uh the levels of a holery. Uh, apparently, that's what happens when you die. You become an a hole. That's just how this works. I guess. <laughs> like, and it's like as, as soon as as soon as uh, as soon as he gives the Zords back, he's like, oh, just playing. It was all a joke. I was kidding. Psych. It's like shut up, shut up. Just go away. They just like. He's like, I was just testing you. Here, Cole, have a motorcycle. I mean, another toy. I made a motorcycle. I <laughs> <laughs> they're, just they're just dangling toys at them at this point. Oh, my gosh. 22 Zords. <laughs> <laughs> this season made me, th- it's like, you know, it made me think, I miss the simplicity of Mighty Morphin and Zhu Ranger. They had seven. That's all you needed. That's all you needed. And yeah. you have a couple of cool combinations and they and, and they were taking care of business. I mean, it's, it's, we didn't need an, an art. We didn't need this massive arsenal. Oh, you know, but we'll we, talk can, about the Zords in a minute. Can, can we move on from Animus and, and, and uh, let's talk about now. our villains, the orcs okay. now. All right, fine. I did a little bit of digging with the villains here <laughs> because they were just throwing around the term org like everyone knew what it meant. Like it meant something. Yeah, yeah like it meant something. And I'm like, what the heck are they even talking about? They did, and they kind of poorly defined what these were, I have to say. And I wish that they had been a little bit, they had been a little bit smarter with how they were handling the exposition because they're just like, bam, we're orgs. And they needed to make make it a little bit clearer what they are. But I, so I did some digging, and this is much, sounds like it's more obvious in Gal Ranger. In fact, actually, if you look up the Wikipedia entry for these particular these particular creatures, they actually list Gal Ranger as a pop culture example of them. They're Oni. Yeah, which are Japanese demons. They're correct? Japanese demons. They're very similar to ogres. Again, org, ogre, or uh, even weirdly enough, orcs. So if you're familiar with the orcs from Lord of the Rings, which are these now- very ogre-like creatures... I was going to say, what are like, what is the difference between an orc and an ogre? Uh, there's, they're very similar. I'm not exactly sure what to tell, what to say, uh, you know, the differences, but an Oni 
uh, it says an oni. This is from Wikipedia. An oni is a kind of yokai, demon, orc, ogre, or troll in Japanese folklore. Oni are mostly known for their fierce and evil nature, manifested in their propensity for murder and cap and cannibal. I almost said capitalism. Cannibalism. <laughs> <laughs> murder capitalism and cannibalism it's the the trifecta of evil yeah yeah and so there's a lot and once you know that you know this and you start digging into the concept of oni travis and i talked a bit about oni in a recent episode of henshin men if you've Mm -hmm. you've, we've all seen oni mass and they're these very ogre like uh you know horned mass and everything that are used in some ceremonies or samurai would wear them to intimidate their opponents mm. and you know so these were creatures that had horns and claws like master org looks very much in a lot of ways like a traditional oni right he does well, i'll say that and i also found out this was uh, this actually helped make sense of some things because when i was watching it was like the whole thing with toxica reviving the monsters with her wand and shooting the beans out that's actually a japanese thing it gets very lost in Wild Force, but it's yeah, it, it's yeah, it's it's uh, it's Japanese foot. You can tell that it's it's Japanese footage. Oh yeah, that's for sure. You uh, know, make my monster grow. Make my monster. It's not as it's not <laughs> there is as a reference to that. <laughs> it's not as it's not as pithy as make my monster grow because she recites this long yeah. evil spirits of toil and strife yeah. bring this fallen orc new life. Yeah. At least she can act better than the mistress of midriff. I'll say that. Much. Yeah, this is yeah, this is true. This is true. <laughs> She's over the top, but at least she could do it. No, uh, that actually stems from, and this is a part of Jap- traditional Japanese culture. They have a bean throwing custom. Did you oh, know about this? Yeah, I did not know about this. Yeah, no. actually, there's a. I try to. Remember, I wish I could remember which one it was, but there's a '70s Ultra series, Ultraman series that touches on this. I want to say it's Taro. I want to say it's Taro, but I could be wrong on that. But the, from Wikipedia, quote, the traditional bean throwing custom to drive out Oni is practiced during, Satsub- uh, during Satsuben Festival in February. Oh, it involves people casting roasted soybeans indoors or out of their homes and shouting Oni wa soto, fuku wa uchi, which means Oni go out, blessings come in, preferably with a strong Oh, preferably by a strong wrestler. This custom has grown from the medieval ritual of Suina or Oni Yarai, a year-end rite to drive away Oni. So there you go. So they're kind. So it sounds like Gal Ranger is is taking that and kind of flipping it. <laughs> that's really that. That's, that actually is really interesting. That is really, really interesting. Yeah. So now that I know that, I'm like, okay, these monsters make more sense now. Very much. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're ogres, they're oni, you know, they're like orcs. Maybe I can translate this a little bit more. And it also, if you know anything about Japanese culture, particularly traditional Japanese culture in Shintoism, it, we've talked about things like yokai and all of that. Shintoism holds to the belief that all live, actually, not just living things, basically everything has a spirit within it. That's where yokai right. come from. And yokai mm-hmm. are very closely tied to particular things, a particular mm-hmm. objects or whatever. Right. And yokai, yokai, if you want to look into yokai, yokai is nutty. 
yokai yeah yokai is very like because like you said yokai is very unique and they're 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 tied like a lot of times they're tied to even inanimate objects or even yeah 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 which we see that which we see that here because we have a lot of inanimate objects that become orgs sentient yeah Yeah. or they they're derived you know the orgs manifest through them you know and And i just and i just thought it was interesting because if you look at some of these monster designs and we'll touch on monsters of the week later on the episode but if you look at some of these monsters as monster designs there are these really kind of twisted uh versions of inanimate objects yeah which again is a very japanese thing which is why i even read an essay one time that actually said that the japanese traditionally because even though most japanese are not practicing shintoist shintoism is so embedded in their culture that it's just bleeds through into everything including how they think even if they're not shintoists themselves Mm -hmm. and that they're actually not as afraid of say robots in that you know in that you know kind of robot apocalypse terminator sort of thing you know the westerners have more of a fear of the machine compared to Japanese because you know the reason why westerners fear it is because to them the machine a robot is a soulless you know as a soulless automaton that mm. is going to think itself that looks like a man and maybe even thinks it maybe even seems superior to a man but it's cold and mechanical yeah we, we talked about this a little bit already when we talked about zeo with the machine empire yeah yeah but the to the japanese everything has a spirit so and that includes technology that includes machines so so the idea that these are evil creatures is the only most traditionally although it, the wikipedia says that the evil perception of Oni is softening a bit now, but they are traditionally viewed as very evil. So the idea that these are Oni, we'll say, that are being born through pollution and environmental degradation through inanimate objects, you know, uh, like what we see throughout this, it actually makes sense. But like I said, a lot of that gets a little bit lost. And now this probably wasn't as hard to adapt as a Kaku Ranger. As Kaku Ranger, they were fighting evil yokai. Mm-hmm. And we saw what happened when they tried to adapt it. It just made things weird. <laughs> Very. So they tried to do it here, and it they do a better job of it. It's probably easier, but it's still, like I said, a lot gets lost in translation. It tries to adapt it through a very westernized superhero lens, and some of and sometimes that translation gets a little muddled. Mm-hmm. It does, for sure. So, Master Org, played by Ilya Volok. He's our main villain. As main villains go, he's fine. Dr. Volok. <laughs> Dr. Volok, who should have been played by Brad Dorif. He looks and sounds like Brad Dorif. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> A little bit. As far as, as far as like main villains go, Master Org is pretty intimidating, I have to say. Like he is, is very intimidating. His his threat level, I would say his threat level is, is, is really high and they don't, and they, and I feel like wild force does a really good job of really never undermining that authority or really never undermining that threat level. No, for the most part, he's a little over the top at points, a little mm-hmm. more than he needs to a be. Little bit, I mean, and, and cause you, we talked about in wild and not wild force, but in, um, we're talking about wild force now. But in Time Force, where like your main problem with Rancic 
and we'll talk about Rancic in later later on. But uh, your main problem with Rancic is he went too big too often, and for something like a master orc, I org. think that org orc org whatever. I'm probably going to make that mistake several times in this episode. Well, uh, I've already been sitting here thinking, it's like, why didn't they have an org born from the internet? He could be called dot org. <sighs> there goes another one star. Anyway, um, I regret nothing. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but master org is incredibly intimidating and I, he's not my favorite villain. Uh, but he works in the context of this show. Yeah. It's also interesting because he's not in Gal Ranger, but he's technically from Sentai. It's weird. <laughs> it's mm. a repurposed suit from Die Ranger. Yeah, it's the uh <laughs> it's the it's the, yeah, it's the it's one of the main villains from Die Ranger, but just with a different like with a horn on top of his head. Yeah, and the horns are very important to the orgs in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, they a disti- indica- it's a distinguishing feature and it, it's kind of the like they they establish later that if an orc loses its horn probably gonna die that or and it it also establishes its ranking uh yes. within within the org yeah there's hierarchy. an org hierarchy but they don't do as much with that as you would think i wish they did though that that's that, one of the short- yeah because disney brand was suggesting things like Okay, if the regular orgs are born from pollution, that doesn't really make sense for the rest of them. So you would think they could have done something like, say, the Duke orgs are born from things like war mm-hmm. and stuff like that, which would have made things more dynamic and interesting. Mm-hmm. And I agree with that. But so it's just like, why is there a hierarchy? It's because it's from the Sentai. The Sentai has a hierarchy. So, but like I said, the master org even though he's not my favorite main villain he's still pre- done pretty well as power ranger villains go his origin story we find out later actually reminds me i noticed this is going to sound kind of weird but reminds me of dr doom from no, makes sense. marvel comics where sense. he was part of a love triangle with some fellow scientists and it ended in jealousy and and then some tragic things happen and he goes ballistic. And now I feel like him hating nature because it was just Cole's parents. Those were the other two scientists that, because mm-hmm. they were, they were naturalists and they were studying nature and all of that. And then because of that, because he was spurned and then they got married and they had a child and, you know, and he felt so left out. He basically he turned into the fifth wheel and he just went insane. Right. <laughs> he started associating nature with that rejection, and I'm like, okay, weak. Sorry, show weak. <laughs> you needed something a little bit better to explain that, but that's the problem. That's one of the main problems with Wild Force is that the themes it wants to have don't feel connected enough to the characters mm-hmm. but that isn't to say that this isn't a this isn't good because we get to episode 26 that episode's a bit of a gut punch it is weirdly dark compared to everything else because we find out that because cole is one of cole's quests from the start of the show was to find his parents mm-hmm. 
And I got to say, it's a bit of a bold move. And I think this is one of those very Saban elements in this. They punch Cole and the audience in the gut where they just say, hey, they're dead. Master Org murdered them. And even though we don't really see it, we see everything leading up to it. And they don't shy away from making it abundantly clear. He murdered them and it was probably gruesome. He then spends basically the rest of that episode, even kind of the rest of the show, just being like, you don't have to be this way. I forgive you. One of the last scenes of the show is he goes to, I forget his, uh, Dr. Sadler. He goes to Dr. Sadler's grave and says, I hope you can find peace now. Even though Master Org turned himself into a big, ridiculous monster at the end, because this is Power Rangers and that's what they do. <laughs> But that's the end of it. I'm like, man, man, you're <laughs> you're better than most people, Cole. I wouldn't have been able to do that. I don't think most no. characters would be able to do that. I don't think I don't think most characters have been able to do but, that. But the th but the thing is, it doesn't feel weird. It does actually feel within character for him. So I got to give the show credit for that. I, I really do. So that, again, I feel like that might've been part of the Saban influence. Yeah. It was, it's kind of like all life is because Cole has this very, like all life is sacred, you know, mentality and, you know, demeanor about himself. And he was consistent. He, he was actually very, uh, consistent with that, even with his enemies. Yeah, for sure. Then we have his two generals, and I know I have them listed separately, but you have we have you kind of have, have to talk, to talk about, about them as them a pair. Yeah, because they are they are you're talking about Toxica and Gendrax. Gendrax, and yeah. And Toxica, it's kind of a it's a viperous situation where she has a Sentai counterpart and she was played by a Japanese actress, so they hired an Asian actress who am <laughs> I the only one who thinks it's a little ironic that a villain in Power Rangers is played by a actress whose name is literally Sin. <laughs> it's Sin Wong. <laughs> I just find that weirdly funny. <laughs> it is. It's a little bit funny. It's a little funny. But yeah, you know, so they so it's a like I said, it's a Viper thing. So they cast an Asian actress because there are points and we've officially hit the yeah, can't tell the difference between the Sentai and American footage. It, you you yeah. just can't anymore. Yeah, it's it's becoming yeah. like you, you you can, but it's in very specific. It's been it's in very specific instances. Like the one the the one instance that really messed me up was the actually the opening sequence uh, when they're fighting on top of the building, and it's lit the same way the when when our ranger actors are on screen it's lit the same way as that sentai footage and it's really difficult to tell like we're entering like you're right you're entering that era where it is really hard to tell the difference yeah you can't tell the difference anymore unless you pay very close attention to the locations and you can tell like yep that's a different location <laughs> oh that's a rock quarry and that is a, an abandoned warehouse okay yeah gotcha. <laughs> congratulations you punched him so hard he flew into another show <laughs> <laughs> I thought that only happened to Andros and you had to be a psycho ranger to do it. I'm just saying, but I, yeah. but I really enjoyed, I actually really enjoyed the characters of Gendrax and Toxica because they spend, it's so weird. It's, it's so funny because they spend the, this entire season 
mm-hmm. wanting to prove themselves to master org. And at the end of it, they're like, we don't need to do this. Yep. They, and they become best friends. Mm-hmm. It's the kind, they're kind of, even though they're, because they've been operating for 3000 years, disguised as humans. And uh, then master Orc comes back and like, yay, we're good. The orcs are coming back. This is going to be great. And which that, which to be fair, that Toxica, sure. But the face paint on Jindrax's human form, it's a little telling. Sure. But it's Power Rangers <laughs> and Tokusatsu. I've watched enough classic Kamen Rider to know that nobody pays attention to the eyeshadow of evil. So <laughs> <laughs> the makeup, the menacing makeup, the eyeshadow of evil, <laughs> the eyeshadow of evil. <laughs> if you're going to have a, if you're going to give a tell, a small tell that you're evil, go with the goatee. It worked for Spock. Anyway, I think the best, <laughs> honestly, the best instance of this, like human, like, like the, the physical indication that it's a human, but that it's, that it's one of our villains in human form was, um, Jinxer. That was yeah. really, I thought yeah, that, that, was really that, that one was really good, which actually speaking of Lightspeed Rescue, we brought this up in the Lightspeed Rescue episode because they wanted Vipra and Lokai to be this kind of villain duo that become best friends. And I said, mm-hmm. it doesn't quite work. You know, it, it, this kind of these fr- villain friends who are kind of conspiring against the main villain. It doesn't work quite as well there as it does here, as weird as it is. Because I I will be honest, I wasn't a big fan of Jindrax and Toxica at first, but as the show went on, they really grew on me. No, they do. It takes about, I'd say it takes a, a, a good dozen or so episodes before they start to really kind of grow on you. Yeah, when they kind of get the shtick down and they make the shtick work, even though it's easy to have a shtick like this and it mm-hmm. doesn't work, they figure right. out how to make it work. They're kind of silly. But not overly so. There are points where I think it gets a, it goes a little over, and they're both kind of dorky. Jindrax is dorkier than Toxica is. Toxica is more of the brains, but Jindrax is funnier. I will say that Toxica takes herself way too seriously. <laughs> but and she's kind of almost like Rita Light at points. I felt like a little. A little like she, Toxica spends a lot of time in this season trying to prove herself. Yeah. And also she gets really bent out of shape. If you call her old, <laughs> that's, one of, that's one of her little quirks where, you know, cause Jen Drax is saying things like, <laughs> you know, like she says something like my wit is as sharp as your blade. And he's like, well, they say the first thing that goes uh, after good looks is memory or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and then she's she just scowls at him. He's like, "What? What?" <laughs> I mean, it's incredible. I I would say that um, I would say that these uh that these characters these characters are incredibly endearing. Yeah, they are. And I will say this: Jindrax walks right up to the line of garishness and doesn't cross it. <laughs> A little, yeah. Because his design's a little wacky with his color combination. He's mostly purple and white, but it's like he walks right up to the line of just being too garish. And I'm Mm. like, congratulations, Toei. You walked right up to the line. So I I enjoyed them. And by the end, they're not really villains anymore. That's the interesting thing. They help the Rangers. And spoiler warning, 
Toxica dies. And it, yeah. her Sentai counterpart, and in the Sentai, she stays dead. But here, it's because, you know, the sensors strike again. We can't let death be permanent. <laughs> we, we, we can have, we, we can't let, we can't let death be permanent, but we can have blood and Power Rangers. Okay. Oh, we're getting to that. That'll be the awards. But the, uh, so, you know, J- then Jindrax basically turns into Orpheus and he goes and he gets the lady out of the underworld in a kind of humorous fashion, because that's how Jindrax works because <laughs> he literally he never fishes takes her out of the underworld. He, he never takes things too seriously. No, he doesn't. I mean, he even pulls a Batman and Robin and whips out a org express card when buying fishing supplies. <laughs> Never leave home without it. Yeah. And I love how the shopkeeper, it's like, like the shopkeeper is, you could tell is like the one guy who's like, I live in a power, the power Rangers universe. So the fact that there's a monster walking around buying fishing equipment with his, with an, you know, with a credit card that makes no sense. I don't care. I'm just like, just give me your money. (laughs) That guy is my hero. I'm just like, I love this guy. He's just, he's just so, (laughs) He's just it's it's he's absurd. just so used to all of it. He doesn't care. <laughs> it's absurd, Hi. but it's it's absurd, but it's not the most absurd thing we've ever seen in power. No, Rangers. and if you know me, I do like myself some absurd humor, and it just this it just worked for me. And but it, honestly, if they had done that early in the season, I probably wouldn't have gone with it. But the, by that point, these characters had earned it. Yeah, they this had was like earned. I- yeah, this, you know, was my, a, this was like the halfway point. This is like 20 episodes in. Yeah, it was more than that. It was toward the end, actually. And the other thing is that the <clears throat> they do get manipulated and used mm. uh, by some of the higher up orgs. Toxica cuts get- off her horn because she was told that's because uh, she was told that's what you have to do if you're going to be able to you know, go to the animarium and capture Shayla and make master org happy. And then she pays the consequences for it. Cause that's mm-hmm. what eventually leads to her death. And I will have to say when I got to the point, it's like, I really genuinely felt sorry for her, you know, but it was, it was something that had to be earned over the course of multiple episodes where I had to see that they're more than just silly characters. It's kind of like bulk and skull in that man, mm-hmm. in that way where, it would have been easy to make them very surface level, rich, silly characters, but then you you dig under the silliness and you find out that there's more to them. Yeah. So, kudos to you. You know, you're they're probably my second favorite part of Wild Force. We'll get to my favorite here in a second. Right. And then, but much well, like gonna, Lost Galaxy, we have multiple generals. <laughs> I was going to say, do we want to zoom past well, uh, a few of these to get? Because I know we're going to be parking at Zenaku. Let's yeah, let's just get all the other ones out of the way, and then we'll save Zenaku for last because we're going to be on Zenaku for a while. So we have several generals that because they, they could just go through them. Some of them are only on. Uh, one of them is only on the show for two episodes. <laughs> Which is too bad because he's one of the best ones. But yeah, we have Retinax, Nazor, and Mandalock, and Onikage. Retinax and Nazor sound like allergy medications. They do, but that's also because <laughs> one is an eye monster and the and the other one is literally a giant nose. A giant nose and ears. Yeah, it's like, yeah. It's like, wow, a little on the on the nose. <laughs> 
there, guys. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, you know, and they're more serious general orgs, and they they have outrageous designs that are very Sentai. It's very like, what do we say? What we said this about Dino Thunder. Uh, we said this about Dino Thunder, but they're like very like not avant. Was avant garde the word we used? I don't remember, uh, honestly. I've slept an hour the, since then. <clears throat> okay. So to describe uh to describe what these uh they're very like art house, not art well, I mean not art house. Avant garde might not be a bad way to put it, but they're they're also a little bit surreal too. Surrealist. There we go. It's yeah, like surrealist. it's like it's like surrealist art. Yeah, uh, to a of, certain ex- to a certain extent. Yeah, but you know, they serve their purpose well, you know, as generals go. They're very you know, you know kind of like a goldar they're kind of like goldar and that nazor leaves more of an impact for me compared to retinax i barely remember retinax was in this <laughs> i barely i barely remember that one as well yeah 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 and although the honestly the best one and like i said he's only a two a two episodes so he's honestly barely a step up of just being a monster of the week and that's onikage i like onikage he looks like a ninja that's what he's one of the ones where some of that japanese-ness bleeds through because his shoulder his shoulder pads are scrolls, like mm. unrolling scrolls. And I'm like, I bet that makes much more sense in the Sentai because otherwise it just looks odd. But I like the name too. This is not his name in the Sentai, but I have to give the writers credit for this. Oni Kage just sounds like a great name. And we talked about Oni earlier. Mm-hmm. And Kage is the Japanese word for shadow. So he's demon shadow. Mm. which sounds like somebody's metal band, but <laughs> and so it's a great name. It's a good design too. He's covered. He's got a helmet with one eye and he's got a lot of shurikens on him and uh, he can cast illusions and he pulls the Rangers into a pocket dimension. I think he called it like the shadow realm or something like that. So he, I liked him. I wish he had stayed around a little bit longer. And we yeah. find out he was basically because Master Org, quote unquote, dies, mm-hmm. and then he's so the herald so of the... Master Org. He sets things up so that Master Org could come back because of another main villain we have for a little while. Mm-hmm. Mandalock. Mandalock. Mandalock is nuts. <laughs> Mandalock. <sighs> you want to talk about surreal? Oh Mandal- goodness. Well. <laughs> Do you ever do you remember a show in the 90s, Nate, uh, called Ah, Real Monsters? I do. Mandalock looks like Grum from okay. Ah, Real Monsters. Mandalock looks like Grum. It looks like Mandalock looks like a weird combina- combination of Grum and uh, I think the character was called uh, Oblina, Oblina, the the tall kind of black and white. It, she's she's tall, black and white, big eyes, big lips. Yep. Um, and then Grum was this hairy monster with a big mouth and he, and his eyeballs, he holds his eyeballs in his hand. Oh yeah. I remember that. Yeah. 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 So that's what this, it's like this really absurd. Yeah. Mandalock is all mouths, teeth, mouths and teeth. Yeah. Mm. There's mouths all over this thing on the feet, on the chest, on the, on what you could call the head and there's teeth and fangs and everything. It is one of the most surreal kind of terrifying creatures in the whole thing. And I don't think the Sentai counterpart was in the show quite as much from what I understand. 
I really enjoyed the voice actor. Or the uh, there's voice- two of them. That's the other thing is Mandalock has two personalities. It's just that one comes out of the top mouth and one comes out of the chest mouth. And it's Ezra Wee's. And, and if one and if the because and it's male and female, that's the other thing that's really weird about this is that it's two personalities and one, two, one's male, one's female. And if the female voice sounds familiar, there's a reason. Yep. Barbara Goodson. Yep. Rita herself. Yeah. So Barbara. So Barbara Goodson is the female half of Mandalock. And I really enjoyed I, I like the design of Mandalock. I like the person. I like the dual personalities of Mandalock. He feels, or they feel, because they're both male and female. Um, well, it's two people. It's two personalities in one body. So it, it's quite. It, it's it, Mandalock is interesting. He's much meaner compared. As weird as it sounds, much meaner than Master Org. And Jindrax and Jindrax and Toxica don't like them. He's so. he's mali- like Mandalock. I'm just gonna say Mandalock. Mandalock is malicious. Yeah, for sure. And you know, it comes in that well. The Jindrax and Toxica release Mandalock, and then Master Org dies, and then Mandalock fills the power vacuum, and then through. Onikage, Master Arc just comes back and says, and you're dead. <laughs> it takes back over. So kudos there. Very memorable character. Very extremely. Because uh, uh, Mandalock is the character that essentially just um, convinces uh, 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 Adamus, Animus uh, and Kite, Kite. Uh, that he should join their side. Like yeah. he's the kind because Mandalock is the manipulator. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, and then we have the putrids. They're the henchmen this season. They don't show up as much as you would think they would. And they look like the weird cousins of the buddies. <laughs> I'm going to be mm-hmm. honest with you. They're supposed they're to be like born if, out of slime or something. It's just, they're like if the putties and the, um, the battlings, I think had babies, babies. <laughs> babies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even want to think about how that works, but anyway, yeah, they're, they're not they're, great. They're not terrible. They they're work. not the swabbies. Like we're, <laughs> everything's better than the swabbies. The swabbies. <laughs> um, <laughs> or, 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 or anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the putrids are, the, they're okay. Like they're just, they're just henchmen. They're, yeah. They're, they don't leave as, I feel like they could have left more of an impression if they showed up more. I think that's because I think we're getting to the point now where, and I, I hope you understand what I'm saying here. We're like the, the foot soldiers are starting to feel more like foot soldiers. They're just kind of the faceless horde. They're oh like yeah. I get, they're not I get like, you. they're not like something that's, they all just start blending together now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And yeah. So they don't really stand out because they don't get used a whole lot. And now and we get what? and what's real and what's really, really interesting, and this kind of follows the um it follows the the same design uh aesthetic as the rest. The little the putrids have little tiny horns on yes. their on their foreheads. Because they are like, the lowest ranked. Because they are the low yeah, they're the lowest of the low. They're the they're Yeah, the they pawns. are the pawns. Mm-hmm. They're the pawns. 
And now we get to the best thing in Wild Forest. In fact, I have had several people who have said that they want us to be nice to him. Oh, we're going to be nice to Zenaku. Yeah, uh, our friends over at Entertain This. If you haven't heard that episode where we were, uh, two episodes actually, where we were on. Zenaku is a god-awful character, and I hate him so much. He is the worst character in the Power Rangers franchise. He's even worse than Divatox. Are you being held hostage? Also, we're getting five one-star reviews from that. <laughs> our co- our whole podcast is canceled. Yeah, our um, whole podcast is canceled. And also our friend Luke Giaconetti has said that we have to be nice to him. And he likes him. And his kids think he uh, that Zenaku is, quote-unquote, the man. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we have obligations to fulfill. So, yes, Zenaku is the best thing in this show. <laughs> he's the best thing this season i love zenaku when i, I was do. burning through wild force the first time those first that first dozen episodes or so i'm just like uh there's not a lot of story there's a lot of action look more toys and you know there's a couple of episodes where they do a little bit more where they have a little bit more story I'm like okay fine it just felt like a little bit of a slog and then suddenly our wolf org shows up I'm like oh you have my attention mm-hmm Yes, quite. Anyway, <laughs> listen to Dino Thunder. That'll make more sense. <laughs> yes, this is what happens. This is what happens when you record out of order. Anyway, so Zenaku is incredibly compelling in large part because he's fo- voiced by my boy Lex Lang, aka Ecliptor, mm-hmm. and he brings a great performance to this. He's kind of an anti-hero. But not really. He's a villain for sure. Yeah. And he's also, spoiler warning, he's Merrick. Because Merrick made a questionable decision to try to win the battle against the orgs by wearing a cursed wolf mask. This is a very mythic, very fairy tale thing to do. Essentially, kind of a, a, a pseudo deal with the devil. Yeah, pseudo deal with the devil. And it gave him great power. But it also gave this org, this Oni, we'll say, it's an Oni mask. It's basically an Oni mask mm-hmm. to manifest through him. Mm-hmm. And then after defeating Master Org, he was sealed away, but then he was loosed upon the world again and started wreaking havoc. He was driven by vengeance. And <laughs> just like Tommy, who also, you know, was evil when he started he has a dagger that is a flute (laughs) and he plays it and he can summon zords with it and uh, the design is just great you know the all black with that really great costume the really nice intimidating wolf head with the glowing eyes and the big horn and it's just like everything is just firing on all cylinders with this and then we find out that merrick is basically a werewolf and he will change into Zenaku with the cycles of the moon. Uh, also, Zenaku has one of the coolest weapons that I've seen in Power Rangers so far. It is basically a batleth from Star Trek. This curved blade that can unlock and he can throw it like a boomerang and you know, uh, and shoot uh, crescent waves from it. And 
His motivations are a little weird, admittedly. He wants to kill the Rangers because he wants to avenge himself against them, even though they're technically not the Rangers who sealed him away. Yeah, his the motivations are a little the mo- his motivations are a little messy there. But a I'm willing bit, to but I'm willing to go along with it. Yeah, but maybe that's speaking to the fact that he's there's a duality to him. Well, they pointed out they also it's a, it's pointed, a very like I said, it's like the Wolfman. They you they know, also the Universal Wolfman. They also kind of point out in one of the episodes that he doesn't fully remember a whole. He he still thinks he's he still thinks that he's back three thousand years ago, and yeah, still he's still fighting remembering, the, still fighting the same battle. Yeah, and they he, do it, and and I I think they do a good job with with that through the flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. So the, and there's a nice build up to it. It's I was definitely getting shades of the of green with evil with this but it's again it's a variation on a theme it's going different places with it Mm -hmm. which for me is much appreciated then you couple that with some great voice acting some great fight scenes yeah and a great suit actor performance a great design everything is just just works with zenaku and that stretch of episodes leading up to the to merrick finally defeat you know, not finally because he comes back for one more well a couple of episodes mm-hmm. but uh, where he frees himself of zenaku was very appreciated and you're playing around with the you know with the naming here zenaku is not even though it sounds like it should be his sentai counterpart's name it is not but zenaku is a very interesting name because we looked into this zen you've probably heard people talk about being zen it's a mm-hmm. buddhist thing and the word or means uh, peace or calm. Yeah. yeah, peace or calm, because in Buddhism, you know, achieving Zen, which is, you know, calmness and, uh, you know, uh, and through that calmness, being able to have a, a heightened awareness of things. Awareness, inner peace, inner peace. All, yeah. yeah. So, you know, so peace and then Aku, if anyone grew up watching Samurai Jack, the main villain's name was Aku. Mm-hmm. but it's derived from the Japanese word for devil. So if you play Street Fighter, you might remember Akuma, who was this nasty, mean Shoto karate character. And it, like I said, it means devil. So Zen Aku, you know, peaceful devil, devil of peace. You know, there's a way there's ways you can kind of play around with it, but it's such an interesting combination of words there that I think speaks to that dual nature that he's wrestling with the entire time because both Merrick and Zenaku are kind of fighting each other the whole time. It's, it's similar to a, um, it's, it's almost similar to like a magnet offender type situation where the, where the 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 dual personalities of Mike and the magnet and the Black Bull magnet offender were fighting against one another for this internal struggle, and it's similar to that with with Zenaku as well. Yeah, except the difference being Zenaku is very much a villain. Very like when they are separated, because we have an episode later where Zenaku comes back, little inexplicably, but he comes back, and now he's targeting Merrick. And at first, it's like I want you to join me, you know. And then, by our powers combined, you know, we're you know we'll do incredible things. You know, we'll take over. And Merrick says no. And then Zenaku's like, okay, fine, you die. So, <laughs> uh, 
you know, and then you know, so they ha- so there's that really nice episode where it's just Merrick and Zenaku confronting each other the entire mm-hmm. time, and then he turns giant and fights the Rangers and the Zords, and it's you know that's that's all you know that's fun, and there's some yeah. really nice scenes that they have together, like when he sneaks up on Merrick at the, at his campfire. You know, there's some great fight choreography, so it, all around good. Now I will admit, Zenaku appearing in the finale. After Merrick has, you know, he's no longer a ranger, so he's just wandering the world to figure out, you know, how the world works now. And we find out that Zenaku is still with him and is going to follow him around. And apparently Zenaku is kind of like, you know what? I like you. Yeah. They we'll travel connected. the world together. You know, yeah, they're, they're connected. They're, we're connected now. And Merrick's like, you coming with me? Like, yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, it's a little weird. It's a little I, weird. It's kind of like, like it at, at the same time. I like it too because it's it's kind of like um, it's kind of like the devil on my shoulder. And yeah, like a little the, bit. But it's almost like you get the you do get the impression that Zenaku might be you know probably you know thanks to Merrick is you know you know turning over a new leaf so to speak, mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. Yeah. I almost he, wish there were more stories about the two of them traveling together because that could have been interesting. Can you imagine, I think, you know, Merrick Studios. running around trying to be a hero and Zenaku's just talking over his shoulder the whole time. You know, <laughs> Bo- Bo- Boom Studios. I know you listen to this podcast. Write that story. Write that story. I need more Zenaku in my life. <laughs> Which I'm real. Uh, and and as, uh, in a more serious note, I'm really actually, I'm actually kind of surprised that there's not more Zenaku stories or there's not more Zenaku stuff done with the Ranger franchise because Zenaku feel or I know Zenaku is an extremely popular character within Ranger canon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we need more Zenaku in our lives. We could spend the whole podcast just talking about Zenaku because Zenaku yeah, is I, just dang good. He's the best thing in the show. He really I wish, is. Yeah, it's I like wish the, the character is there. The cool factor is there. It's just it's got everything. Yeah, I wish that which we had is why more- Merrick almost feels like a little bit of a disappointment. It's like there's all this great buildup to that revelation. And then it's just like, OK, yeah. <laughs> yeah. why is that? was a little cooler than you, Merrick. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could talk about more. I wish we could talk more about Zenaku as well. And I'm sure we, we've talked about doing some Redux episodes and kind of examining these characters more in depth but we have to move on to the zords oh good lord this we don't have the time to go over (laughs) all of the toys i mean zords that they have 20 freaking two what the frick wild force we kind of have to just we just kind of have to point to the main zords and just move on Okay, that's that's all we can really do because there's way too freaking many. So the Wild Force Megazord, your standard Megazord, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Not sure what else to say. The the combining sequence is all CGI and it looks a little weird. It's still better than the movie, but it's it's fine. You know, and those are the Zords that are most closely tied to the, the monikers of each Zor of each Ranger, because you know, Red Lion, Blue Shark, Black Bison, Yellow Eagle, 
white tiger. They're all alive, so they have more personality and they're and they're more connected to yeah. the Rangers. There are points where if they get injured or sick, then that mucks everything up. Yeah, the the Red Lion actually got sick at one point. Yeah, Red Aslan, I like to call him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which you know this this can this um this begins the trend of modular Zords. And I'm not a I'm not the biggest fan of this. It just seems so weird to me, and it feel it feels like such a toy gimmick. It's like this is fine for the toys, but it just feels weird here. I think it makes honestly. I think it makes sense here. Because we're going to, you know, with outside of like the main core Megazord, the Wild Force Megazord or a.k.a. Gal King outside of that, like I, I understand like the, the need or the desire to have some kind of modularity with these Zords, because sometimes the normal, the normal, com- the standard uh, uh, combination, the foundational combination doesn't work. And so you need that extra firepower. So, you know, bringing in like the elephant Zord, which can separate into two parts into shield sword and shield mode, which I thought was really cool. Um, I, I just I don't mind the modularity of some of this uh, of, of a lot of these Zords. But again, I point back to Mighty Morphin season one and Zhu Ranger. I had seven that. and it got the job done. I understand that, Nate. But I also understand that with, you know, with more with with modern sensibilities, sometimes you got to change some things up a little bit. Eh, maybe I still prefer quality over quantity, but eh, yeah, you know, and this is, have... I, I will concede that this is a, there's a lot of Zords in wild force. Yeah. Yeah. And there are some standout Zords in wild force, like outside of just the normal, like wild force Megazord. There's also the dark Predazord or the, the... Pre- just Predazord. I do the... like the Predazord. Although that crocodile head needs to be flat on the chest because it looks ridiculous without it. Like that thing looks like it should just tip over onto its snout. But the, uh, it does look a little top heavy, but it's yeah, finishing. But it, it's, but it uses it for the finishing move. Yeah, yeah, it uses it for the finishing finishing move, which is really cool. Uh, this also starts the trend of ridiculous amounts of beam battles. Oh, yeah, they love the beam. This is made up of the wolf hammerhead and alligator, by mm-hmm. the way. Yep. Uh, this is uh, Merrick's Zord or yes. Zenaku when he was Zenaku. That's why it's the Dark Predazord. I have to say it's probably one of the scariest looking ones. It's one. This one has my favorite design out of all of them. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Now, what I found was really interesting, and I don't know if this is something from I don't know if this is something from the Sentai that gets explained. But did you notice that the Predazord? has a horn on the front of his head, similar to. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, but having big crests like that is very much a Japanese robot thing. Very much, but still, but like that one singular horn similar mm-hmm. to the orcs makes mm-hmm. actually kind of makes orgs. sense. Orgs say, I'm, I told you I'm going to mess this up. Uh, Someone needs to, to read Lord of the Rings. Apparently with all this some, orc talk, someone needs, uh, yeah, someone does. Um, similar to the orgs, uh, but it's also very similar to Zenaku, uh, this mm-hmm. like Zenaku's appearance because Zenaku has that one singular horn on the front of his head. So, yep. <clears throat> mm-hmm. and then we get our secondary Megazord because that's how Power Rangers and Sentai works now. <laughs> the Isis Megazord with a Falcon Wild Sword. So we get another Falcon. 
<laughs> because we need more falcons, yeah, more falcon swords. A giraffe, a rhino, an armadillo, and the deer. We talked about the deer, who's very stern. I might, I might add that, that the giraffe megazord's a the giraffe wild sword's a little uh, elitist. <laughs> <laughs> satisfy me humans play music for me yes <laughs> uh but uh the isis you know i if you're if you're familiar with your egyptian mythology isis was the i think it was was a bird was a god um mm-hmm. uh, i think it was a god of it was the a air, goddess actually goddess of the air of air mm-hmm. i think and it was a it was a falcon it had a yep. it was a human human bo- human body but a falcon head Yes, yes. And so that does make sense. And uh, it has wings and it has big eyes on the wings for its finishing move. Uh, it was like the Isis stare, which makes me think of the pennant stare from Ghost Rider. And you know, it's still it, pretty cool, though. You have it's to pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I, I will admit that. I like the wing design and, and that it can fly and things like that. And these were a lot of the Zords that they were picking up as they went. Some of them. Well, you also have to. You, you, this may come up in my, I'm not, I'm not projecting too hard, but, uh, you also have to take into account that the ISIS Megazord can ride atop the great lion. Yes. Um, so we have that to look forward to. Yeah. And we've already talked about him, but he's technically also a Zord, but animus, he's just a repaint of the Megazord. That's all uh, he is. No, not mostly. Mis- a not repaint. most mostly a repaint but there's some there's some differences there's some heads differences. a little bit different but he's a black lion a condor a saw shark a buffalo and a jaguar similar but but different enough they're repaints okay this is this is transformers <laughs> beast wars right here okay we can use the exact same mold to make a cheetah and a white tiger I know this. I watched that show and collected those toys. Okay. I know how this works. <laughs> okay. Subtle differences, but it's still the same dang mold. And then they just use the same model painted differently in the show. Cause it was a CGI show. Okay. Mm. I, Transformers does this all the time. <laughs> Which it's so interesting. It's so interesting because there's actually one Megazord that was in the Sentai that did not make it actually into Power Rangers. You're telling me that the that the mech count in Gal Ranger is bigger? Yes, the mech count in Gal Ranger is bigger. Father oh, Trucker, anyway. It's uh um it's Gal Knight or yeah, Gal Knight, which is made up of the bear which is made up of the gorilla, the bear. I'm trying to remember. Gal Knight. I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to look Wait, isn't up. that the one that uh, that likes to flex all the time? No, that's Gal Muscle. Congazord? The Kongazord. Pegasus, Pegasus Megazord? Okay. That's, I think it there was are the con- so many freaking Zords. I can't keep I think up it, with all of I them. I think it was the, yeah, I think, I'm pretty sure it was the Konga. It was the Kongazord. Uh, because it's the Gorilla Wild Zord that throw the bananas at, at the a very Zords. Donkey Kong country right there. Very Donkey Kong. But, uh, but I'm allergic to bananas. So bananas are lethal weapons for me. Oh, are you it, allergic to bananas? That's Yes, that's, I am. That's funny. Yeah, um, it's also, you know, it's also like that Monty Python sketch. I'm now going to teach you how to defend yourself against the banana. Yes, but it's it's the Kong. It's the Conga Zord. Yeah. Uh, that's that's in this as well. OK, I do have them in here. I do have them on the list, but it's just so we and have the yeah the gorilla, the black bear, the polar bear, the soul bird. Which is 
really just a power up and it that one is very animated and kind of silly <laughs> and you know the congasaur which is the one who likes to flex like arnold is like look at my muscles yeah but there's also like the there's also one called the gal knight that did not make it into uh into wild force that was okay. from that was from the sentai uh and i'm looking it up on the ranger wiki now because it's not in our notes it was made okay so um the gal knight was made up of uh, so there apparently was two gorillas. There was Gal Kong. Okay. Uh, Gal Kong, Gal Eagle, Gal Shark, Gal Bison, Gal Tiger, and Gal Elephant, which made up the combination for Gal Knight. And it's this, it's like the Konga Zord, but the helmet, but the, but the gorilla portion is red and, uh, the helmet is, it looks like a knight's helmet more so it looks very medieval. Okay. Okay. And I noticed too, you didn't have in your notes as you, you did not actually, you did have, you do have it in your notes. Never mind. I'm so sorry. There's I, just I, so many. You did have it in your, your notes, the Pegasus Megazord. Yeah. <laughs> which is, so which is Isis, which is the Isis Megazord riding atop an, an enlarged version of the, the uh, lion of the lion. Yeah. Yeah, of the red line. There's too many and they blend together and you lose it's... track and it's just nuts. <laughs> and then they have to. And although I will say when we get to the final <laughs> episode, when in true power ranger tradition, powered up master org, who is definitely looking like the, like the final boss in, in gown and gal ranger. I'm guessing. I, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. He invades the animarium. And it's so powerful he can summon stock footage from Mighty Morphin, which is just kind of funny. But because <laughs> he causes an earthquake, and it's the it's Zoo Ranger footage. <laughs> like I saw that show, like I saw that. I, but I recognize I recognize that volcanic cavern opening. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, he takes all of them out, and there's there's some impact with that where he's just destroying and killing all of them. And the fact that they're all alive gives it a little bit more weight. And then they have a do sex Zordica where they just all magically come back and kill master org. Uh, by our, by our powers combined, (laughs) (laughs) except they're all just, uh, just Maquis and they're just by their sheer force of heart. They make them all come back. And then there's some more that we hadn't seen before. And then they're just like, kill Master Org. I'm just, this, this show's finale. I have opinions. <laughs> <laughs> I know there are some people who really like it. And it does feel pretty dire at points. And a lot of people really like the moment where the Unmorph Rangers just stand up to giant Super Master Org. And it's, it's a good moment, but it, doesn't have as much impact on me because I'm just like this. This isn't like Countdown to Destruction or uh, uh, Journey's End in Lost Galaxy, where it felt like all of these characters' journeys and themes just came together, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of punch to it. This one is just like we're doing the hero thing. Yeah, we're cool. We're doing the hero thing. I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Like, okay, that's yeah, fine. Sure. Right that's cool. Whatever. And then you get saved by the Dusex Zordica. I hope you're I hope you're happy. 
yeah, yeah, sure. All right. But there's, but to be okay. So just to kind of sum it all up with the Zords, because we could probably spend a lot of time here. Oh, good lord, uh, there's too many. But but there's so many Zords in Wild Force, and honestly, I'm not. I like. I know you probably disagree with me, but I do actually enjoy a lot of these Zord combinations and a lot of these. Zords. Yeah, I, I feel sorry for all the kids and the parrots if their kids really loved wild force and they wanted all those toys because good grief (laughs) Uh, like they're just so like they're just so ridiculous and i think i feel like i'm foreshadowing my uh my awards a little bit when i say this but especially the pegasus megazord it's like you like in mighty morphin season two you talked about ride the tiger like my ride my, the tiger the holy driver mine the is holy ride driver the, uh, whatever whatever dude <laughs> i don't the know driver is the parody about cars Maybe. anyway holy driver that's the that's the turbo version that's <laughs> Or is it the anyway. Operation Overdrive version? I don't know at this point. <laughs> anyway, it's... Someone it's, make that parody and put it to footage of Turbo, please. <laughs> it's this this moment of this this meg, this Pegasus me- Megazord is so is so epic that it's in contention for, uh, for one of my awards. I'm just foreshadowing it now. Uh, sure, sure, sure. So let's talk about some of the monsters of the week. Now, I have to say... One of the things, you know how we've really enjoyed a lot of, as silly as they can be at points, we've really mm-hmm. enjoyed the often very funny names for for Power Ranger monsters. Eye Guy, Pumpkin Rapper. Uh, some, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones that we've talked uh, about. Paluticorn. Paluticorn. Yeah, Hate Master. You know, they're cool in these kind of campy sort of ways. Wild Force's monsters are very boring for the most part. It's just at least inanimate object org. At least their <laughs> naming conventions are really boring. Yeah. Now the designs are crazy and cool, but the names are boring for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the first one I have on here, it's kind of a cheat. It's three of them, but it gives us an excuse to talk about on the it. first of two. What? Daggone you for stealing what I was going to say. <laughs> It gives us an excuse to talk about the first of not one, but two crossover episodes in this show, which admittedly is one of the things that does kind of elevate Wild Force a little bit. It does for me. And that is the Mute Orgs. Kind of a weird name, but uh, there's three of them. It's Rofang, Kirid, Kirid, I'm not sure, Kirid, and Takach. And they are supposed to be combinations of orgs, like ancient orgs, and the mutants from mm. Time Force. Because mm. this is when we get, they show up in a two-parter where the Time Force Rangers, and you know me, I'm always excited about some Time Force. They team up with the Wild Force Rangers. And even though I don't, think it's reinforcements from the future which is a nice callback to the first episode of time Force, which is called force from the future nice job there guys it doesn't quite rise to the heights of 
say, uh, to the 10th power and the power of pink, but it comes very close. There's a couple it's, of things that hold it back, but there's a, it's an incredible, it's an incredible, um, it's an incredible uh, two-parter because it does wrap a lot of stuff up yep. in a nice yep. for us. It furthers the stories of both teams, mm-hmm. and it feels very meaningful. The fight choreography is nuts. Like fantastic. They really outdid themselves. Oh, it's fantastic, yeah. Uh, there are several contenders for the uh, Power Range of Motion <laughs> award for me just from that two-parter. Like They just they upped their game. They really did up their game. Mm-hmm. It's for sure. incredible. So, big fan of that. And these are the villains that we had for this. They And they connected to Rancic. And I actually, the first time I watched this, I was I just finished Time Force, so I just went and watched these two episodes because I wanted to see the Time Force team again. Mm. And I misremembered what they did with them, but they the connections that they give to Rancic and these mute orgs actually is fine. It does make sense. So there are these ancient orc spirits that Rancic encounters while he's wandering around, and then they basically tell Rancic, we will give you power if you... We'll give you incredible power if you let us sam- basically sample your DNA so we can make ourselves new bodies. So that's where Rancic got his ability to base to grow weapons out of his body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we had a, it's a little bit of a retcon because we originally just thought that's just part of his mutancy. Well, it's his mutancy enhanced by the mute orgs. And now Rancic, this is interesting. So we have villains coming back in true crossover tradition, but n- instead of being the villains, they're helping the Rangers. So because mm-hmm. Nadira and Rancic come back, and that's actually a again. It's time for slubs to subvert expectations. So that was nice to see. Yeah. And so Rancic says, I helped make these things. I have to help fix this problem. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, which is, again, that's a good setup. And, you know, so, and then we get some more development for, for Wes and Jen and seeing Jen in this episode in that two-parter I hereby retract my statement that she's not as pretty as other pink rangers I regret everything I said in that episode (laughs) because uh Jen's a badass and uh, she looks really good in black leather I'm just saying (laughs) she she shows up in like full tilt like mad max mode with the with the hair and I'm just like what is it with you and girls in black leather man I, it, 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 girls look good in black leather. What can I say? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> but no, what I really enjoyed about that two parter is it did pay off a lot of stuff. Oh, it, it, I, my favorite part. Oh, the, the interaction between the teams is great too, because we talked about this. The guys at time, the characters at time force, they're young professionals, very uh-huh. much so. And then we have a team of mostly younger characters and they butt heads because they're younger, mm-hmm. <laughs> like rookies, Hold on. <laughs> like, like, hold my beer, please. Uh, hold my beer, please. Uh, but my favorite, my favorite one is is Eric, <laughs> Eric and Taylor, because <laughs> the episode opens with Eric giving her a traffic ticket. <laughs> hey, you're that a hole that gave me a traffic ticket. Yeah, what of it? <laughs> they're butting heads so much because, like, cause you're, the two of you are just are exactly alike. Okay, you, mm-hmm. that's why you don't like each other because you're right. exactly alike. 
yeah. then they look, but but then by the end of the episode, it looked like they had a thing going, and I'm like, yeah, I'm pulling for bit. the two of you because they soften to each other, and then they're kind of flirting with each other. And I'm like, get together, dang it! Like, whoa, 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 whoa! That's that's not a toy, although it's a toy, but that's not a toy. <laughs> that was great too. <laughs> it's obviously a toy, but that's not a toy. <laughs> That was great. Uh, and then uh, you know, Wes got to see Jen again, which was a big mm-hmm. deal. Which was a big, big moment. Big, yeah. big moment. And I was screaming, just kiss her, Wes. Just just kiss her. All right? <laughs> we know you want to do it. Just do it. <laughs> Don't make me start talking to you like Shia LaBeouf. All right? Just do it. <laughs> they, he doesn't. Oh, that made me mad. But that gave boom studios opportunity to play with that in sins of uh, sins of the future so if you haven't read that comic you should it's actually pretty good i just read that recently so mm-hmm. yeah, it is, I, I was on good. quite yeah. i was on a big time force high after talking about it on the show <laughs> right you know so overall actually i was very happy with it now there is and the mute orgs are nice the mute orgs are ridiculous like comp- like cobbled together suits from other Power Rangers shows. It's so funny. I thought like one of them was like, it looks like a repurposed Deviat. It's partly Deviat. <laughs> it's Deviat's um, like mutant form, or I can't remember what the form was called. Yeah, was like, I know his like powered up version. Yeah, yeah so they're based. All three of them are just cobbled together characters. Like there's one of them has parts of a Clipter and. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh I think what it was like uh Rofang has parts of dark it has parts of dark Darkonda. Oh no, dark, no, no, dark Dark Darklipter Dark Clipter when Darkonda and and Ecliptor merge. Yeah, it's, so it's but that explains it. And what's funny is they they don't explain why but they speak a different language and people can't understand them and then that gets corrected later because they start talking to the master org and it's fine. It's really just their dialogue run backwards. <laughs> Yeah. It's a very George Lucas way of doing things. You're either speaking in tongues or there's going to be a demon show up anytime soon. I don't know. <laughs> that would be funny, actually, if the Mutorks came to present day and they were talking like that. And then suddenly, <laughs> and then suddenly uh, Diabolical pops up and says, you rang? <laughs> <laughs> they uh, they possess the org spirit with uh, the manifestation of speaking in weird tongue. <laughs> or Viper pops up. You rang. <laughs> like no, when you we know we did not. I was like, but you talk like us. <laughs> yeah. Every time I hear someone talk like that, they're summoning summoning a demon. I'm just doing my job. Okay, I'm just. Showing. I'm not summoning a demon. Okay, it's the Taco Bell I had the last night. Fine. <laughs> Oh uh, yeah. But what brings this episode down and I think I understand why the creators did this. And I don't maybe this is another one of those things where it's that that feminine influence in the writers in the writers room. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But they cure, they quote unquote cure Rancic. Yeah. He's no longer at least the implication seems to be it, he's the, not a mutant anymore. We're just gonna we're just gonna say he's cured. Yeah, yeah, he's human now. Yeah, and that's presented as a positive because mm-hmm. he basically he makes a last ditch effort to make it possible to defeat the mute orgs, and by doing so, they basically absorb all of his mutancy. 
So he doesn't have to take the serum anymore. He doesn't have the deformities anymore. He has none of it. And honestly, even though I I think what they're they're seeing that as a reward for his heroism and it's a restoration, you know, and normally I would be all for that. I like restoration. It's you know it's part of a redemptive a redemption story, and Rancic has definitely been trending toward a redemption story, especially after the end of Time Force. But this is also kind of tone deaf. It doesn't really make sense because Rancic hates humans. I don't think he would want to become human. I think he would rather still be a mutant, even if he's softening toward humans. I don't think he would want to be anything other than what he is. This is like Magneto becoming human, which has happened at least once or twice in the Marvel Comics canon. Mm-hmm. And every time it happened, he hated it, despised it, because his hatred of humans went that deep. And we saw, even though Magneto's had moments of being a hero, mm-hmm. because that's the kind of character Magneto is, and Rancic's the same way, it doesn't make sense. It, I would think normally, this would for Rancic, this might be seen as a punishment. He's become what he hates. Now, there's story potential in that, but the show doesn't in no way thinks about that. No, it's it becomes very like saccharine and sweet at the end. Yeah. And I don't like it. I, I fe- that for me robs Rancic of being as high on the list of best Power Ranger villains. Mm-hmm. Because and it's not to say that it can't be that we saw it done with Astronomer. We know that redeeming the villain can work and it can be a very powerful story. Yeah. But at le- but with Astronoma, it made sense. She wasn't becoming what she hated. She was becoming her true self. Mm-hmm. Being human is not Rancic's true self. It goes completely against the character, I would say. So I yeah. think that was a short that was some short-sightedness on the creator's part here. I think that they were only looking at the immediate thing and wanting to do the good thing that they thought for Rancic to complete his so-called redemption arc, but it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. In context, it doesn't work. Yeah. So I that is the that is the biggest thing that keeps reinforcements from the future from joining, you know, the you know, from getting anywhere close to to to, to the tenth power for me. Yeah. yeah. And it was it was it was really dang close. I wish they had played the Time Force theme song too. But it was yeah. I wish they would have had that. But you know that two parter ranks a little higher for me. Only be I guess it's I guess it's, it ranks a little higher for me because I love the Time Force team so much. Um, than something I'm just gonna shoehorn in here. It's not really Monsters of the Week, but I'm want an excuse to talk about it, and that's General Vengex. With AKA the Power Rangers. I have the, uh, I have the Beetleborgs. I mean, the Machine Empire. The Beetleborgs. Yeah. It's Power Power Rangers versus the Beetleborgs. Yeah. Uh, But now the Beetleborgs are remnants of the Machine Empire. It's it's so funny. It's like we're just recycling suits because our budget got slashed. So it works. Like it kind of works, I guess. Well, Uh, and the funny thing, what's funny about that, I guess, I guess we have to talk about forever red. What's kind of funny is all of those villains are actually voiced by past ranger actors. 
It's mm-hmm. so yeah. nutty because yeah. Archie Cow Cow is General Vengex. That was Kai yeah. from Lost Galaxy. From Walter Lost Galaxy, Jones. Yeah. Yep. Zach himself, who's never come back as Zach, but he came back as a villain to voice a villain. He's Garrick. And then Catherine Sutherland, our second Pink Ranger, was Tesla. Oh, insert Elon. What? Insert Elon Musk. Insert Elon Musk joke here. Well, let's be honest. Elon Musk would probably buy a controlling share in the machine empire. It just seems like something he would do. I mean, <laughs> he just walks right up to Mondo and just says like, hey, I want to buy a majority share in the empire, which will thereby make me emperor, uh, make, you know, make me you know, the king. You're just Mondo. I'm King Elon now. <laughs> but it's it's but yeah it's so weird to have it's it's so weird to have uh these returning rangers but not in their ranger forms but as voice actors for this this massive crossover so we're gonna have to talk we're gonna talk about forever red now because you can't talk about wild force without you can't and i know that there are plenty of people out there including our listeners and they love forever red and i don't want to take that away from you no. I don't, but I have to be honest with all of you. There's a lot of good things. There's a, There's lot, a of lot of good things in forever red. My boy Andros is back. I was excited I mean, about that. My boy Andros. I mean, you, you got, you can't talk about red Rangers without talking about, of course, zero Ranger red. Yes. Tommy your Tommy boy, Oliver. Tommy, my boy, Tommy. All. And of course, uh, 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 Jason Scott Lee or not Jason Scott Lee, not Jason Scott Lee. Austin St. John as the red Ranger. Uh, yeah. As Jason. And we'll have to talk about him for a second, but yeah, just for a hot all second. Of that, we'll, but let we'll me get, get this out of the way first. I get it. It's a big deal. It's the anniversary episode. Gal Ranger had a 25th anniversary episode for super Sentai. It was nothing like this, but, you know, so they did this and it was cool seeing all of the Red Rangers together and they're fighting what's left of the Machine Empire. I don't know how there are any leftovers from the Machine Empire, but hey, if there can be remnants of the Galactic Empire in Star Wars, why not? Sure. You know, and their their plot is they're making another Serpentera. That's really fun, too. Let's talk about what could have been first, and then we'll get into what we actually got. This was supposed to be a three-parter. But one of the consequences of the Disney buyout is... I, I Sometimes I wonder why Disney even bothered, because I don't think they knew what to do with Power Rangers half the time. And this was one of those instances where the filmmakers are like, we want to do a big three-part crossover episode with all the Red Rangers. We're going to, you know, we, we let us do this. And then Disney said, you have money for one episode. But we want to do three. You get one. Mm. This is supposed to be a three-parter, which is why this the pacing of this thing is lightning fast. Can we have Everything two? just happens. We have, can we have two, please? No, you can only have one. But yeah. But, but, but two? No, one. Uh, yeah, so everything's just, it just moves super fast. A couple like Danny Slavin is in it for 
five seconds. <laughs> and then the rest of the time he's suited up, so we never really see him again. He does some voiceover and that's it. All we do is they just he films a scene where he pulls the sword out of the stone on Miranoi, and that's it. He poses yeah. for the camera and that's it. You know, Orico, the red alien ranger, he shows up, he's barely there. <laughs> As a couple of lines, and that's it. He's never unsuited. <sighs> and I actually, when I was watching it, I actually kind of found a, a little, a little mistake in, uh, uh, in Forever Red, too. Uh, like a little filming mistake where, like, where Danny Slavin unmorph, demorphs himself as they're, uh, as they're uh, beginning to fight the Machine Empire, and it cuts away. The Machine Empire shows up. You see morphed Danny Slavin for a hot second. And then you see unmorphed Danny Slavin again in the lineup along with morphed Orico. Uh, yeah, it's so good. There's a little bit of, there's some, I, I caught some, it's like really minor, but I caught that mistake when I was, when I was watching it. But yeah. then after, but then after that, then after that you get like the epic, like we're all going to do our individual. Morphing yeah. Sequences. And then we get, you know, uh, get a big red smoke cloud and explosions and it's on the as, moon because apparently the moon the has usual. an atmosphere in <laughs> the, the moon has an atmosphere in the power rangers universe and looks oddly like a very gray quarry <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a quarry with uh a superimposed um space background yeah basically and then okay i'm kind of of two minds about this you know me I like Eric Myers in the Quantum Ranger a lot, but he wasn't supposed to be there. He was a last-minute change. They were going to get Steve Cardenas, who deserves more love. I will say that. Mm, he does. He got saddled with a character that the writers didn't do enough with and then was replaced by a child. That's unforgivable. But <laughs> in the worst way possible, too. Ooh, I hurt myself. Here, kid. Whatever. But... They were going to bring him back, but I guess he just barely missed the call or something. The story I heard was that he was moving and barely missed the call and because they were going to bring him back and he was going to be the red ninjetti ranger. Mm, yeah. Now I've seen some fan edits on YouTube where they edit him into the lineup sequence, mm. which was actually really cool. And I'm like, ah. so, so the fact that we could have had Steve Cardenas, we could have been three parts. There's then the budget got slashed and just like all these things. And I'm like, this could have been so much more than it is. And it hurts to watch because I'm like, I could have been so much better, but what they, I will give them credit. They do the absolute best they can. We get, we get to see all the characters together. We get to, you know, see some really, you know, some really great characters, Carter and, you know, and, you know, Andros, like I said, and all the rest of them, there's some good fight choreography in this. It's oh, there's wonderful. The, uh, yeah, there's, there's wonderful fight choreography. We get some really like, like stuff that's truly worthy of like the, the power range of motion award. Yeah. Um, well maybe not that back flipping down the mountain while the rocks are falling. That's a little bit yeah maybe but you know but you know there's some great fight choreography it's it's interesting to see the machine empire so like the empire never really died which is kind of mm -hmm. interesting and you know they've which been lying really in wait and 
right because you know, and it's uh, on the moon which is where some of the where a lot of the villains early on would you know that was their base of operation so there's there's a lot of good going for it but the pacing is just like i said it's lightning fast and you could bear things barely register we don't get to see as much interaction between the characters as i would have liked Mm-hmm. You know, especially with somebody like Tommy and there's some there's some jokes at Tommy's expense. I would have liked to have seen more of that. I wish that had been a running gag where everyone's like, oh, geez, look at Tommy. She's so cool. <laughs> All of that stuff. And you know, one of my favorite lines is, you know, Eric Myers actually says, my Q-Rex would eat his Dragonzord for breakfast or something like that. <laughs> and TJ makes a joke. I was like, did I ever tell you about the one time I got baked into a pizza? <laughs> <laughs> like the show the show and the cast for that particular episode really really has fun with it yeah but we <laughs> won't talk about Serpentera Mark 2 <sighs> moving on uh, the ugliest CGI I've seen in Power Rangers that oh, would, my it goodness. might even it might even be Mighty Morphin the movie bad Oh my goodness! I don't know. I, I I don't know. I'll I I'm I'm inclined to give this a little bit more grace than even Mighty Morphin the movie. But that was CGI. a that was a victim of the budget cut. It was. Uh, it's a lot smaller, far less intimidating. It's, it's a, a lot good. It, it, <laughs> let's just say this: if people who say practical effects are better than the CGI, here's evidence for you. There is um there's some practical effects with with uh, Serpentera. But the CGI version, oh my god, it's oh my god, it's so ugly. Yeah, it it's is. So and ugly. then the worst part, it's ill proportioned. The mm-hmm. neck, the neck to tail ratio is way off. Yeah. Oh my god, it's so ugly. But the oh, there's also uh, there's also a bit of a reference. I will say, in apparently there was like some sort of like power ranger fan project or something that people thought was real. i don't know i had to look into it again called scorpion's rain mm-hmm. yeah and i think it was supposed to be like people thought that was going to be the original pilot for zeo or something and there's a reference to it in there because one of the lines was supposed to be said by tommy and it was in reference to serpentera and he says something like that's a big zord or something like that so i guess they threw that in as a little deep cut joke but the worst part is the entire it doesn't take the entire team to beat Serpentera. It's just Cole. Cole yeah. just plays, you know, it's my the, the it's my show card, and he gets to be the one who beats Serpentera single-handedly with his new magic motorcycle for, that he got the previous episode from the worst nature god ever. <sighs> so the ending kind of falls flat a tiny bit because of that. A little, and there's no, uh, like there's no Zords aside from Serpentera. I really would have liked to have seen like one or two of these, like the Dino Megazord come back and they have the Astro Megaship, like have Astro. Oh, they brought the Astro Megaship back. They built another one. That made me happy. (laughs) Yeah. They brought the Astro Megaship back. Like why not have the Astro Megaship versus Serpentera? That would have made so much sense. But again, it was only, they were only allowed to do one episode. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Carl, Mr. Dutton, I know you're listening. <laughs> Please do a bonus episode where you adapt Forever Red and make it as cool as it should have been. <laughs> Please. <laughs> 
fix this. <laughs> Please fix this. I will help no. you write that script. <laughs> all things, all things considered, all things considered, I really enjoyed Forever Red, um, but it sh- it could have been and should have been so much more. Reinforcements from the future is better. Reinforcements. I said it. I said it. Don't at me. Sure, throw one stars at me for saying it, but reinforcements from the future is better. Reinforcement from the future is a slightly better because it's better paced, but like minus, but for my nostalgia, Forever Red is fantastic. All right, now let's get the elephant Zord out of the room. All right, so in Forever Red, obviously we had all the Red Rangers come back, including uh, Austin St. John, the original Red Ranger. Um, and because we and because we did touch on some real life con- some real life instances or real life uh, things that happened with with Cole, we kind of have to touch on. Uh, some real life things going on with Mr. Austin St. John, uh, whose real name is actually Jason, uh, <laughs> Jason, uh, Jason Lawrence Geiger. Um, so the news broke a couple of days ago as at the time of this recording that he has been, uh, called in, not arrested, but called in for, um, for, for charges of fraud like fraud allegations. Mm-hmm. It's a him se- and a, it's a whole group of people. Him He's and just like one of them. 17 other. Yeah. It's like him and 17, 17 other people. And uh, essentially, and this is kind of the cliff notes version. If you want to find out more about this, I'm sure you can Google uh red Ranger or no, no, don't, don't Google red Ranger goes to prison. Cause that'll probably give you coal, but um, Google uh, Austin St. John uh, arrested or Austin St. John accused or something or Austin St. John fraud. And that will, it's a little hard to up. miss. It has been, it, that is the only thing that the Ranger fandom has been talking about the last couple yeah. of days. Yeah. 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 So, um, so essentially it goes down like this, uh, apparently. And if anyone is familiar with the paycheck protection act that started during COVID, which essentially just let businesses, you know, gave businesses enough money to keep their businesses running and continue to pay their employees. Uh, he was a part of a scam that, uh, basically took out loans, but did not use those loans to pay their employees, but instead used those loans to, um, to basically make personal purchases. Yeah. Um, so the, now, so there's some talk, the official statement from him and his legal team is that he gave money to, I guess people he thought was going to invest it and he was unaware that they were doing this. Right. So it's, it basically boils down to what did you know? And when did you know it? Right. And how much did you know? And things like that. So that's, what's going to have to be determined in court. Yeah. And we don't know a whole lot. That's why we're, I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but because we don't know a whole lot about the situation. Is it a bad look? Yeah. It's a really bad look. And if he actually, if, if it is found that Austin St. John actually did the things that they're accusing him of doing, then yes, he should pay his debt to society. Um, should it be 20 years worth for a white collar crime? I, I don't know. I'm not the person, yeah. I'm not judge nor jury to decide that. Yeah. But one um, of the, but we just want to let everybody know that this shouldn't, it really shouldn't affect your enjoyment of the stuff that he did. You know, it shouldn't affect your viewing of Mighty Morphin and Zeo, Forever Red, all of the things that he, uh, Beast Morphers when he comes back, all of these things. 
you should, we really want you, don't let this sour your enjoyment. Don't feel like that this is ruining your childhood. Don't feel like that you have to, you know, part with your Red Ranger collection, you know, or anything like that. Yeah, I, I feel really bad. Like, I, I feel really bad for the folks because I'm have i in some of these Ranger groups that collect the toys because I'm I, I also am on the collecting side of the fandom as well. And I've seen several people in these groups say, I'm just going to sell off my entire Red Ranger collection because I can't support a criminal. Well, just I'm going to I tell those people just hold off, wait and see until mm-hmm. everything plays out and then make a decision. Yeah. Don't be, don't be hasty. But at the end of the day, like Nathan said, don't let this, don't let the actions of, 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 uh, Jason Lawrence, Jason Lawrence Geiger, AKA Austin St. John, the person affect your enjoyment of, uh, Jason Scott Lee, the character from mighty Morphin power Rangers for sure. And please don't use this as an excuse to start drudging up things that you may not like because Austin St. John has been a little bit forward about his political stances mm-hmm. and some people want to hate him for it. And I'm like, I, you know what? I'm tired of that. I'm tired of people just hating each other over whatever it is that they think politically. And this is true of everybody, regardless yeah. of your political stance. I want to put that out there right now. Doesn't matter. Stop hating people based on that. All right. Yeah. And so don't use this as an excuse to say, well, he's a criminal. Look what you look who he voted for or whatever. Just shut up about that. All right. There's enough dissension in the world. We talked about this in time force. Mm. We don't need stuff like this. Prejudice does nothing but destroy people. So let's just, let's just end it. All right, please. Yeah. So that's all we're going to say about the Austin St. John, because at the time of this recording, it just happened. And so people, have been talking about it. It's going to be on, it's going to be top of mind for a lot of folks. And since, you know, for, since wild force contained forever red, which featured Austin St. John, you know, we felt like we had to address it in a, in a, in a small way. So there you go. So getting away from the big, crazy crossovers, mm-hmm. uh, another one of the, we've talked about it a little bit already. I'm citing this one because it was it wasn't the first org that they fought, but it was one that, whose design really stood out to me. And I'm thinking, good lord, that this thing is—if you stop and think about it—it's kind of horrifying. And that's the barbed wire org. Mm-hmm. The design is pretty cool, but just the idea of—he basically just makes barbed wire tentacles and just and envelops things with is like, oh god, oh, which sounds painful. Oh, oh, that's a that's horror movie material right there. Just the idea of him just like. Wh- sending this whip out and wrapping people like, oh, <laughs> uh, he doesn't quite do that. Although he does crush a police car with it. And I'm like, oh, that poor cop, <laughs> which, you know, that org also has, see, I did it right that time. Uh, that org also has the distinction of being the, the one we see when uh, Cole finds out that orgs don't have a heart. Uh, it's also, it's also the one that has one of those, uh, has one of the great lines, which is, you know, as I said earlier, I was like, you don't have a heart and you don't have a brain. <laughs> Man, these, these monsters, like as the further we get into this franchise, these monsters are getting sassy. <laughs> They are, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm nobody, and I'm too tough for the Power Rangers. Still uh, my favorite one. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Brickneck. <laughs> There's one called the Monitor Org um, that ha- that's it's a mishmash of an air conditioner, a speaker, 
what looks to be a satellite antenna and a television. So, because why not? Well, because why the heck not? Right. Yeah. So, Nate, what is your uh, what's what's some more of your uh, orbs? I have a couple more. We have a juggalo. Oh, no, okay. I mean, juggalo, not juggalo, not the fans of Insane Clown Posse. Although juggalo I kind of wonder riders. if this was a reference, but <laughs> what? <laughs> The Juggalo Riders. <laughs> but he's Jindrax's brother. Mm-hmm. This is one of those instances where we find out that Jindrax does have a heart because he cares about his brother. And his, it's juggle, like juggling balls, because he's kind of a clown, which okay. kind of actually works with Jindrax, because Jindrax looks a little maybe clown-inspired, for mm-hmm. sure. Very clown-inspired, I agree. Yeah. And I, I'm just like, because he's Jindrax's brother, that elevates him a little bit higher for me than most other monsters of the week. So felt like I should mention him because of that. Okay, and then the last one I'm going to highlight, because you know me, I'm a sucker for the for evil rangers. And that's the Shadow Rangers, who admittedly, I mean, Try competing with the psychos. I'm just saying, but yeah, we're going to compare everything to the psychos yeah, because they are the, they are the benchmark, <laughs> but they were made by Oni Kage and they were these dark counterparts. He was basically saying, I'm making uh, Rangers. I'm making you fight the, these dark reflections of yourself, which feeds into, I don't know how familiar you are with this. And this kind of goes along with, you could apply this to Zenaku as well. Uh, the shadow archetype and Jungian, psychology mm. which is this kind of this dark side that people try to hide but you but the Jungian psychology argues that you need your shadow in order to you know in order to be a fully actualized person you know it's that because it might be your quote-unquote dark side but that's also where things like assertiveness and strength and everything comes from but you have to learn to tame it and not allow it to control your life or else you're going to go over the deep end so in a way and there's a lot of uh you know that the shadow archetype you see a lot of that in superhero fiction a lot of villains fall into the shadow archetype venom is the shadow to spider-man and things like that a lot of times when you see villains who are basically dark reflections of the hero that's where it's coming from all right, and now for the Power Trips trademark thematic discussion. This was really hard. We, I think, what we had, we had an idea, and then we lost it, and then we got it again. So, so the theme of Wild Force we have determined after kind of talking it through on our own time, and then yeah, throughout because this po- things like the value of life or environmentalism that is um, it's yeah, way it's, too obvious. And honestly, low hanging fruit, it's low hanging fruit. And honestly, and this is, we've already talked, we've mentioned this already. One of the biggest problems wild force has is that the characters don't really feel like they're part of the theme much mm. of the time. Yeah. Because you and I struggle because you and I struggle. I will just say this, the, the theme that we've come up with that there's running through uh, wild force is harmony, harmony yeah. in nature, harmony with your teammates, harmony with each other, harmony, harmony with, your with yourselves, harmony with yourselves. Harmony is the harmony is the, uh, is the theme we're running with. Now I will say there that sometimes the obvious thing is obvious. Like 
it is it is very easy to say, oh, Wild Force is about environmentalism. It's about taking care of the planet, you know, that kind of stuff. Sure, you can, but and I and I have to and I want to take a little bit of a step back here and just ask ourselves, are we is is harmony really the theme or are we forcing it because we're trying to find something outside of the obvious? Does that make sense? Yeah, and that's the thing. Watching it again, I'm just like it's hard to because I was trying to come up with something that I felt like was the umbrella under every under which everything else could be put under it. Sure. And it still feels like a little bit of a stretch. And I like I said, I blame that for on the fact that Wild Force itself basically it's you remember how we said that one of the problems with Lightspeed Rescue was that it tried to do every story that it came up with. So it spread itself a little too thin because it tried to be everything. Mm-hmm. That is the problem I think that we're seeing here with Wild Force, but thematically. The, what the advantage that Lightspeed Rescue has is that even though it's trying to do every plot line that they came up with in the writer's room, mm-hmm. thematically it's still sound inconsistent. Right. Wild Force might be more consistent in terms of its stories and it does things like, you know, it lets the Zenaku arc breathe and develop and lets that develop and have good buildup. And as much as I don't like it, they do spend at least time trying to develop the Zenaku stuff. And Mm. they, you know, they let some development happen with Cole trying to find his parents until the big revelation and things like that. And then there's a nice payoff for it. Mm. Problem is that they're throwing so many themes into into the show that they don't all connect. And because they don't all connect, then the characters don't quite connect to any of them as much Mm. as they should. Mm. It feels discordant, which is kind of funny that we're saying that the, that the, the theme we're giving it is harmony. So maybe it's partly because we're like, okay, we can put all of these things under the umbrella of harmony but ironically, the show has problems with harmony because <laughs> it's not harmonizing thematically as much as it should. Right. And so in a, in a way, it's a little bit like Turbo, where we talked about how Turbo couldn't figure itself out. So we said the theme for that one was more metatextual. Although so there's a little you know, bit of that here. There's a little bit of that there, but I feel like Wild Forest does know exactly what it is, though. That's the thing. It it feels like it knows what it wants to be, what the message is, though. That's whereas Turbo was trying to trying to merge a parody Sentai, trying to make it serious, and there was definite conflicts there. What helps Wild Force is because it mir- is that it mirrors the Sentai so closely. Yeah. But at the but like I said, it's thematically all over the place. You think that environmentalism is what it's really supposed to be about, but they don't spend as much time on it as you would expect. And then when they do, it's Captain Planet levels of bash you over the head. But it's it's been really difficult trying to even come up with the theme of harmony. Like this may be one of those episodes where we're not quite sure what the singular theme. Of yeah. We're, is. and we're kind of straining at it because you have to be in harmony with nature. Otherwise orgs are created or you anger a power. Kenny. And Zenaku. 
and Zenaku, and Zenaku is, yeah. he's disharmonious himself because he's dueling personalities. Mm-hmm. Uh, Master Org is very in uh, you know uh, disharm uh, unharmonious within himself because he you know he was spurned by the woman he loves and then he lost his mind over it. So, and then he's out of, uh, and then he's not in harmony with nature himself. And, you know, it's uh, the, the team has to gel within itself there. There's a little disharmony in the ranks. Uh, Merrick has to reclaim, you know, get become harmonious again after he's freed from Zenaku. So there's, there's things we can point to but it still feels a little bit strained because the show doesn't know that it needs to focus on harmony. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that's the issue. So it's again, it's kind of like, we're looking at like, we see what you're trying to do, but you're not quite getting there because you're yeah. trying to do everything. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those wild force is one of those seasons and I think this is this might be a product of the Disney era. I don't know. Yeah, well, and, and, well, keep in mind, keep in mind, the show is also experiencing some disharmony because this is the transition, right? Yeah, this, this is, is when it, this is when Saban sold it to Disney. Mm-hmm. So you have dueling like, sensibilities. Yeah, we're at like because, and this is where I was kind of going with that. Like, where Saban did not necessarily like we talked about how those are for those original nine seasons grew up with its audience. And there were many times, there were many times during the run of that, during the run of those shows, the run, runs of those seasons where it did hold the hand of its audience. But for the most part, I don't believe those latter seasons really held the hand of its audience. No, where wild force does feel like a Disney property in the fact that those latter episodes after Disney officially took over, it does feel really heavy handed. Like it's holding, like it does hold the hand of its audience. Yeah. Yeah. And cause that's when the, the kite and animus thing happened. And I don't know. That's why I'd love to know how much of this had been determined before the buyout. Yeah. I really want to know because how much of it was made by Saban before the buyout, before the Disney influence, and how much, how much after, how much control after the buyout did Disney have? Yeah, you know, I have a lot of questions, but you know, because it feels like it's of two worlds, it's like the show is. It's almost like the show was Zenaku. You know, <laughs> it's, it's got these dueling personalities. You know, and then like Merrick is like the franchise. Uh, you know, let's get we'll get weirdly English major and metaphorical about this. You know, Merrick in the last episode where he's going on his journey to see how the world works now, and then Zanaku is right there is like, "Where do you think you're going?" You know, and I'm coming with you. That's like Disney saying, "Like, hey, Power Rangers, I'm coming along with you. I'm gonna be the devil on your shoulder." Yeah, you know? maybe. Maybe that may be maybe a little bit of a stretch there. It's a but. little bit of a stretch, I know, but it's it's not an intended metaphor, but it's an it's an it's what I can use as an illustration for this because this, yeah. like I said, it feels like this does feel like it's of two worlds. And say what you want about Ninja Storm, and I've already started Ninja Storm, and I have opinions about Ninja Storm, but at least it embraced one set a uh, one set of sensibilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Like it was fully Disney at that point. Yeah. Fully Disney. Whereas this one is, and because we, we've talked to people, including my friend, Chris Cook, who actually consider wild force to be part of the Saban era. Mm. But we decided, cause I think this is the more commonly held view that wild force is not part of the Saban era. Technically, because I've seen other Ranger resources out there. In fact, one of my favorite resources out there is Morphin Legacy. Um, and they classify Wild Force in the Saban era, which makes sense. But Saban, but because we're in this transitionary period, it there are a lot of things about the Wild about Wild Force that feel very Disney. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really weird. Like this one is I did not realize how much this was going to maybe perplex us talking about it. Because it feels like the last like because because those these last several episodes have there's been a very consistent and there's been a consistent and clear through line through a lot of these seasons. Mm-hmm. This one is difficult. I have to admit uh, and the listeners are probably hearing us kind of in real time um you're listening to us kind of war- like go back and forth and have trouble and struggle with this we struggled with the theme of wild force up to the day of recording because we just weren't sure it needed to really latch on to something thematically because i think that would have improved the show mm-hmm. oh, i agree all right nathan that was a really good discussion on the thematics of wild force but now it is time for one of our favorite parts of the podcast and that is the awards these are fun little awards that you stole from my other podcast borrowed and perfected (laughs) uh sure sure that shtick's never going away but (laughs) so uh, we're uh, we're going to start the awards with the power range of motion for the best stunt or fight scene. What did you have, Michael? I had, uh, this was, this was, this was hard. This was I have hard. runners up for all of these, by the this, way. This was hard. So I'm going to just go ahead and go with my first instinct and say the crossover battle with the time force Rangers. That was because, the one I had to, because that was crazy. Yeah. It was wonderful. There was a lot of good fight choreography in that two-parter, but once we got to the actual fight, when they're going at it with the mute orgs and everybody else, it's nuts and it's great. Yeah, with and my runner-up, of course, was Forever Red. Yeah, same here. The Red Rangers versus the Machine Empire. I could have gone either way with either with both of those, mm-hmm. but because I feel like the Wild Force Time Force crossover had a little more time to breathe. Mm-hmm. It had a little bit more impact. We'll move on to the next one. The Ultra SFX Zord Award for the best special effect. For my Ultra SFX Zord Award, I'm giving it to the Pegasus Megazord because you got to have a cool Zord riding a, uh, a feline robot in Season 2. I get to have one with Wild Force with the Isis Megazord riding atop the giant form of the Raging Lion for to form the Pegasus Megazord. Two words, He-Man. Anyway, (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's technically one, but whatever. Mine goes to Zenaku silhouetted against the full moon. That was just Hmm. a really cool shot. Now we're on to more phenomenal Mad Libs for the best line. My actual more phenomenal Mad Lib award is it's it was a Zenaku line. He just simply says, revenge is not something you rush. 
<laughs> okay, that's amusing, but it's also a little bit of a, I almost want to say flimsy justification for the fact that he doesn't just kill the Rangers immediately, but. <laughs> yeah, but it's, and it's, and it's also kind of a, a better sounding version of revenge is best served cold. Well, that's Shakespearean. How dare you? Of <laughs> uh, mine actually is an Onikage line, and it's puntastic, so you know it was in contention. Of course, of course. <laughs> but it's also a bit of a. I think I think it's also commenting a bit on one of the on the Sentai and Power Ranger tropes, where which is where he says, "You are about to become nothing but a little problem," as he gets huge. <laughs> 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 and then my runner up i feel like is a little callback to to mighty morphin so it's a little bit of an inside joke and also kind of uh-huh. commenting on the fact that toxica's kind of read a light which is jindrax tells her before she does her thing with the with the beans make your monster grow toxica <laughs> that made me smile like <laughs> nice job nice job wild force nice job all right, and now for, I don't know, is this our favorite award? Might be our favorite award. Probably. The <laughs> I, I, I can't believe that happened award. For the uh, craziest moment. For the craziest moment. And we're going to have, we were going to have the same one, but just for the sake of me being different, I'm going to go with something different. So my award will go to the actual payoff of the, of the, of the story from Time Force. Because you see a, and I know you had a problem with this, but I didn't. So you see Rancic become human and fully um, just become good. Like you just don't Mm -hmm. see that very often with, with Ranger villains. Uh, So I think that uh, I I like that moment because it just, it, it really just kind of, it paid off that, time force story arc really well in a, in a meaningful way. Was it a little, was it a little sweet and saccharine? Yeah, sure. Whatever. But this is, this is a kid's show. This is power Rangers. Yeah. So I'm, it's allowed to be. Okay. Now I've already talked about my runner up for this already, which is the org express <laughs> credit card. And the clerk just like, I don't care. I live in a power Rangers universe. So there's a monster in my shop. Just give me your money. <laughs> Like, I don't care. Your money's just as green and slimy as the next guy. Let's go. Come yeah, on. just get it over with. You need a fishing pole? I don't care why you need a fishing pole. Just give me your money. Just, just give I, me the damn money, guys. <laughs> just hurry it up. But number one, because I was not prepared for this when I was watching. I'm like, you did that? You did that? And then they made it a plot point. So credit where credit is due. They made it a plot point. Blood? In Power Rangers? Dun, dun, dun! What? <laughs> and then not only... So we see Zenaku bleed, and they make it a plot point because they're like, he's human. He bled. Mm-hmm. Can't just be an org. Yeah. I'm like, oh my gosh. And, and I, I, like I said, was not prepared for that. Now they try to... I think they try to, you know, soften it a little bit because you don't see a whole lot, and it's not as red as it could have been. But still, I'm like, that's blood. And it's in Power Rangers. It's a kid show. There's blood. Anytime I'm watching a so-called kid show and blood shows up, I'm a little shocked, especially if it's an American-made show. It doesn't happen very often. Mm. So when it does happen, it's a little surprising. Again, credit where credit is due. It, it provided a really unique moment, I think. For sure. For sure. 
But you know what time it is now, Michael? It's morphin' time. Go, go, Power Rangers! This is the part of the show where we give our final thoughts on the season of Power Rangers we've discussed in one minute or less. All right, Michael, are you ready? I'm ready. It's morphin' time. All right, so we start. We hinted at this a little bit earlier. We don't say any of this to disparage people who like Wild Force. There are a lot of people who like Wild Force, and if you want to like Wild Force, you can like Wild Force. Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, it's not my like I said, it's not my favorite season. It's a lot. There's a lot of problems I think with Wild Force, uh, naming, namely the uh, the the inconsistency. The it doesn't have quite the identity crisis of Turbo, but it doesn't quite know what it wants to be. It wants to be environment. Does it want to be environment? Does it want to touch on environmentalism? Does it want to further the story of harmony within our characters? Uh, Talk about the about the sanctity of life and things like. Mm -hmm that and you know uh, being one with nature it tries to do a lot of things but hey there's also some really cool moments in it some really cool ideas and you know that helps to elevate it above some things but it doesn't quite reach peak power rangers time (laughs) we went way longer on wild force than i really expected because you and i were talking about this last night we're like oh we're not gonna we're just been like a couple hours on wild force there's not a lot to talk about there lies lies well that's what happens when the rest of the show is eh, average and then it's like but zenaku <laughs> zenaku <laughs> and 45 zords <laughs> 45 try 4500 4500 which is really funny considering it's the the literal translation of of gal ranger that is that is funny that puts Wild Force in the books for the podcast. So, uh, Nate, you care to tell the listeners with attitude what we're going to be covering next time? Oh, uh, we'll be talking about the first true, I would say, the first fully Disney season of Power Rangers, Power Rangers Naruto. I mean, Ninja Storm. Sorry. <laughs> I, um, you know, Power after- Rangers Extreme Sports with ninjas? Yeah, whatever. <laughs> after after kind of watching ahead on uh, with Dino Thunder, I'm kind of looking forward to going back and and revisiting Ninja Storm. I'm gonna save my thoughts that I have on Ninja Storm for that when we do that episode because I want to go back and review some of those episodes and really go in with a and with a with a clean slate and, and a more open mind. Um, I don't want to go in kind of thinking that it's, oh, it's just a Disney, it's just a Disney, it's just a Disney season, you know, I want to go in with more of an open mind than maybe I went into it the first time I watched through it. So, um, yeah, we're going to be talking about Power Rangers Ninja Storm, which a lot of people like Ninja Storm, I found out. Yeah, I think. I, I, again, it goes back to the whole, when did you start and what are you most nostalgic for? Yeah, I think, I think, I think so that tells me a lot about somebody who's a Power Ranger fan. When they tell me which season they like the most, like that tells me where you started. All right. And until next time, listeners with attitude, may you collect all 11 billion wild swords. <laughs> and may you always remain Zen, Aku. And may the power protect you. Thank you for listening to The Power Trip, a podcast produced and hosted by Michael Hamilton and Nathan Marching. If you'd like to send us feedback, email us at powertrippod at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, where our handle is at The Power Trip Pod, and join our official Facebook group, 
Power Rangers Legacy. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other great podcasts. The podcast logo was designed by Rebecca Hudgens. Follow her on Instagram at super underscore r underscore illustrations. Our theme songs are from the album Power of the Grid by Neil Stenson. We also use Galaxy Quest Instrumental by Heaven Wraith from the OC Remix album Jet Force Gemini Mizar Attacks. All film and audio clips belong to their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. The Power Trip has no association with Saban Entertainment or Hasbro. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. And until next time, see ya! This podcast is part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcasting Network and is copyright 2022 Kaiju Ramen Media, LLC.